Welcome to this week's blistering edition of the Sports Block Podcast. It is hot out. Nathan Stack and here, my good friend and co-host Travis uh, Krenz is with me as always. Travis, I mean, it, it's just insane this early to be this hot. Very hot. It's uh, 97 today. We was a 101 on Saturday. Uh, we hate the heat. We talk about how we hate the heat. Um, but I spent significant time outside. Uh, not today. I'm not today or tomorrow, but the last five days, I would say, from Wednesday to last week to Sunday, I spent significant time outside in this shift. For work or what? Part of it, yes, and part of it just for fun, which was not in the books, but it happened. Uh, let's go back to Wednesday. Of course, Wednesday is pickleball night. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was 85, 80, 85. It wasn't. It was warm. It was hot. But it would get hotter when we were outside Wednesday for that. Uh, Thursday, I had two live broadcasts. We had to go to Lake Andes, which is an hour south from noon to two. Then we had to go down to Parkston, which is about 20 miles south of Mitchell, for another deal from four to six. So we had those for work, and it was all 90, 95, and it was hot. But we were in some shade, and it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It's, it's warm, but if you're in it for a while, you get used to it. Or if you're in it in the early portions of the day when it's not too bad, mm-hmm. then you kind of become more acclimated to it probably. And then Friday, we had to go up to Huron for another live broadcast from 4 to 6, and that was 90, 95. That was warm. So Saturday and Sunday, which we didn't plan on doing outdoor things. Saturday, we rode our bikes around for a while, went to some rum and sales. Did you get anything? And, and it, if you uh, did, how difficult is it to bring it back on your bike? We got a couple things that we got on the bike, and then we got a chair, like this smaller leather chair for like $15, that we had to come back with the vehicle to get. So... Everything else we got on the bikes. So that was warm, and then we also played it one one game of pickleball, which is you know maybe fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, mm-hmm. because uh, we had some new paddles, and we wanted to try those out. So we did that. And then Sunday, yesterday, we went to the pool, and my uh, water abilities are not. They're about the same as Ben Simming shooting abilities, which is poor. <laughs> Very poor, to say the least. But we went there to the outdoor pool and met you all your first time I've been to the book here for five and a half years. So we did that, and that was fun. Uh, and it wasn't too bad. It was, you know, 90-something, but it felt good in the water and all that. Yep. But fuck stacking, did we get a sunburn? Motherfucker. You gotta put sun, you, sunscreen, Crin, sunscreen. Yes, that would be nice. We put some on our uh, on our faces, didn't put much anywhere else. So, extreme sunburn here. Oh, boy. Uh, so, hopefully, we're good for pickleball on Wednesday. We're open for that. Um, but that hurts like a son of a bitch, and that just adds something else. Like, you're not going to get a sunburn in the winter. And you put on <laughs> a sunscreen, and that should do a lot for you. You could get but, frostbite, though, in the winter. I think frostbite is the equivalent in the winter of sunburn in the summer. What is it? Frostbite. Oh, frostbite, yeah. But, I mean, have you ever had frostbite? 
Um, maybe like maybe just a little bit, but nothing like su- certainly no. severe by. Have any you had a sunburn? Yes, I have. Rubbing get sunburn every summer, at least once or twice. Yep. So you, you get that, and that's another thing, and that sticks with you for a few days. So you get a sunburn, and that's another thing that makes it a whole hell of a lot worse than in the wintertime when it's just cold and you come in for a few minutes and you should be ready to back up. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we did that. So didn't spend a lot of time outside today, and it was 97 today, and it's supposed to be about 95 tomorrow. I'm not planning on spending much time outside tomorrow either. But we are going to uh, do that this week. Stay more inside than I have been. And if it wasn't for work those couple of days, I wouldn't have been out there. So. Yeah. Aloe vera. That's the key. Yes. For so your some, what do we get? Yeah, aloe vera. So we got something from Walgreens after sun, some sort of white lotion, whatever. So we put that on and yeah, sleeping was not great last night. The, it's mainly the shoulders, shoulders, upper back. Yeah. So, a couple days of pain. That's the way it's going to be. Yep. Well, put the aloe vera on and then put the sunscreen on here going forward. I mean, this is just crazy heat. Like, we don't experience this heat this early in the season. Uh, certainly seems like we're going to be in a drought this summer. And I think they said that because of, like, the La Nina or whatever pattern that this seemed like it was going to be a possibility, certainly warmer temperatures for us. But, I mean, my goodness, 10 to 30 degrees above average, that's a little ridiculous. Uh, In St. Cloud, it feels much more like a dry heat. Like, I walked out on Friday, and it felt like I was walking into a furnace. Like, it was that bad. We get up to the lake in Fergus Falls there, uh, Dan Beck's wife's stomping grounds, my wife's stomping yes. grounds. Um, get to that area. It's a little more humid because you're by the lake, so that makes a little more sense. It wasn't like like pea soup or anything like that. Like You, you could still function, but not for long. It was best to get in the water. But yeah, certainly a little more humid. And I felt like it was a little more hot up to the north, which you normally don't get. You know, oh. with, with the hotter temperatures, the normally the, the further you go north, the cooler it mm-hmm. is. Didn't really seem to be the case this time, but, uh, I mean, who isn't baking? I mean, for goodness sakes, New Hampshire's baking, uh, upstate oh. New York, Vermont, Maine, like caribou. Where, what are what are going on with all the caribou in Maine? I mean, they, they, they must be sweating like crazy. They're dead. They're all dead. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Probably the hunters are going to have an easy time with them. Uh, you got to get some meat on them bones. Uh, but I don't know. It's just this is it's a strange weather pattern. But it boy, with how hot it is, it certainly feels like global warming. For those detractors out there, what the hell more do you want than than like ten straight well, days of ninety plus degrees? The droughts are worse. The the, the bad stuff is worse. So the hots are hotter. The droughts are drier, the wets are wetter, everything is amplified. And we're not even getting the wet wetter, like the, the wet yeah. snow and stuff. We didn't get a lot of snow this year compared to other parts of the country. Yeah. And certainly like right now down in the south, I think right now like it's it's hotter up here than it is in New Orleans and Houston and places in South Texas. Yeah. That's crazy. I feel like San Diego's got perfect weather. Yes. Yep. Like it's always seventy-five. Yep. I go to San Diego once. We'll see. Yep. I think so. I think they have the and they have our our uh, favorite baseball team right now. 
the Fathers, uh, the Padres, because we've given up on the Twins. So let's just start with some baseball talk here as we get into this deal. Uh, hey, the Twins took a, they, they they split with the Royals. That was good. But after we recorded our podcast last week, what did the Twins do? They lost to the Orioles, not once but twice, ending the uh, the 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 Orioles snapped their 17 game losing streak or 14 games, and then was it? And then 17 straight against the Twins, or do I have those mixed? mixed I think it was 16 up? against the Twins. Yeah. Okay. So. And 14 overall. 14 yeah. overall. Yep. So uh, that's that, and then the then the Orioles uh, went out and whooped up on the Indians, which was good to see. But uh, again, not a, not a great week for the Twins. I think now it's uh, I think it's safe to say that. We're done. Yep, they're cooked just like uh, an egg on this ninety degree day. Like I, I barely watched them at all this week. This was the first week where I really didn't watch them. Like I was around, I could have. I just like no, that's the point. So I didn't watch any of the Kansas City series barely. So they did turn a triple sad. play. The Twins did uh, caught a bunt, yeah, yeah. so that was cool. Third triple play of the year in Major League Baseball. So we did that, and uh, Buxton and McIntyre are supposed to play for the St. Paul Saints maybe this week or this weekend. So Buxton might be back here in, uh, maybe next week. So that'd be nice. But yeah, it was bad. They're just, I mean, they're better than they were went through that rough stretch. Now they're just kind of, what was it? Was it? I think they went 11 and 9. Over the last 20, uh, Kansas City, Baltimore, they had 13 games there. They didn't light those teams on fire. So, obviously, for them to get back in, they got to play a lot better than 11 and 9. So. Yep. Yep. Certainly the case there. Uh, other big stories from the baseball weekend the Red Sox go into Yankee Stadium, sweep the Yankees. The Red Sox had had a miserable time against New York, I believe, in recent years, so or at least last year specifically. Uh, there was a little bit of controversy with regards to the pitching and the umpire in last night's game. Uh, the, the calls for robo-umps are certainly starting to amplify. This was pretty bad. Uh, pretty bad missed strike three against the Yankees, and then uh, what appeared to be as close to a, a strike as you can get on a 3-2 count, uh, they called it a ball, or I guess it was a 2-2 count, and they called it a ball, and next pitch was a was a home run for the Red Sox. So the, it certainly worked against the Yankees uh, Sunday night, but uh, these are not good calls, and, and the umpires have to be better. Yeah, yeah, you got to be better than the one... I think three two pitch. I don't know if it ended the game or, but it was, yeah, it was five inches outside, four inches outside, way too far outside for that to be happening. And maybe that's the technology. I don't know why we don't use it. There's a, a Twitter account that keeps track of the calls every every game, okay. and it shows how accurate the umpires are. And they're usually, you know. Yeah, the umpires, 95% of their calls or 95% are correct. So that's pretty good. It's acceptable. But, again, you could have a system where they're all correct. So, And it feels like the calls that they aren't getting correct are so far, like, are so bad that an obvious 
that. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're not just near misses. Like, oh, I could see it go either way. Yeah, like, I don't know what they're looking at. It's yeah, it's it's bad. Some of them are only bad. The Rays are leading the AL East. The Red Sox one game behind Blue Jays and New York Yankees, uh, both within striking distance, but. Not great. The White Sox have a lead in the AL Central. The Indians four games behind. The Royals six behind with the Twins and Tigers both at 24 and 35 and 12 games out. Uh, the it, it Should we start taking the Mariners seriously? Like, it seems odd that a team that's been no hit, what, two, three times this season and has been shut out a bunch could only be five games back, but they are of the Oakland A's. Do we need to start taking Seattle a little seriously here? What's their record? 30 and 31. No. Okay. They're five games no. back, so that's why I wondered. No. Like, Chicago's win in the East through the Central. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Oakland, Oakland and Houston are making it. And then the three teams out East are making it. So... Okay. Like you've got I mean, five teams, so one of them's not going to make it. So Tampa's the best team going, you know. Yep. Red Sox, Yankees, Oakland. So it's like we're 60 games in. We know who the teams are going to be. You know, like Cleveland's not doing anything. Seattle's not doing anything. There are six teams playing for five spots. Mm-hmm. So if I were to pick a World Series winner right now, I'd pick Tampa Bay. Okay. I mean, they're always good. I mean, God, yes. they're just. Yep, they are. They, they sure are. On the NL side, the Mets are leading the NL East by three and a half on the Braves. The Phillies four back. Marlins and National Marlins snapped an eight-game losing streak after beating Pittsburgh on Sunday, so congrats to them. But the, the New York Mets playing awfully good baseball here for the most part, and you get some guys back from injury. Uh, still waiting for the Braves to kind of turn it around, but they better turn it around in a hurry if the Mets are getting healthy because I don't know if – uh, you know, given how good the Mets pitching is, especially, you know, we know Jacob DeGrom, that's going to be awfully difficult to make up that ground against a team that is fully healthy then. And in the NL, you've got basically six teams for five spots. The East is only going to get one team in. Uh, the Central's got the Cardinals, the Brewers, and the Cubs, I guess. Yep. Then you got the three teams out West, Giants, Dodgers, Padres. You know, Padres and Giants, Dodgers are going to make it. So, again, we're two third, a third of the way through the season, and you kind of know already who those teams are. And DeGrom came back. He pitched well again. So, like, nobody's pitched this well ever. Right. What he's doing right now. I mean, it's – what is his ERA? Point six four. He's doing up four runs this year. Yeah. So, it is yeah, a historic start. Nobody started a season like this. Yep. So, that's and fun to watch. It is. Yes. It, it absolutely is. It's it's must-see television. Uh, in the Central, the Brewers and Cubs are both tied at 33-26. and 26, The Cardinals two and a half back. Uh, I, I thought, I mean, I'm a little impressed by what the Cubs are doing here. Chris Bryant's uh, playing really well, and they're, they're starting to score a bunch of runs now. The Brewers, you know, feasted on Arizona for whatever that's worth. But they maybe are starting to pick it up a little bit here. The Central is a three-horse race. Uh, any idea, kind of now that we're at what the uh, the you know the, the third pole here, or maybe yeah, no, a little more than that, a little more, almost the uh, the forty percent pole. Are we? Do you have? Are you leaning one way or the other on a team in the NL Central? 
probably the Cardinals. Cardinals still? Okay. Yep. All right. And then the Padres, our fathers, didn't do that great uh, over the last 10 games, 4-6. and six. They, they were swept by the Cubs last week. Then uh, on a two-game losing streak, they play those Chicago Cubs this week to begin the series in San Diego. So uh, come on, fathers, let's uh, let's pick it up here. We need the Padres to do well. Uh, Dodgers lost two in a row as well. Uh, the Giants over the last ten, seven and three, so they're three games better than the Padres and the Dodgers. This is going to be a three-horse race in the West, but it seems like again, uh, you know, Evan Longoria out four to six weeks for the Giants. We'll see how much that hurts them, but. Certainly seems like the NOS is going to send three teams in. It's just a matter of what hey, uh, positioning, uh, the, the, the jockeying for position and how that goes. Hey, I'll see if the Giants will go on and make it here. Um, Clayton Kershaw struggled. He's given up five or more run runs through his last five starts. So he's struggled. So we will see See if the Giants can, can keep keep it up. The Diamondbacks are terribly, uh, they're terrible on the road. Uh, what, 17 straight road losses now for them, I believe. Uh, it's almost as bad as the Rockies. The Rockies are 4-22. and Diamondbacks are 9-25. and that, yeah, bad, bad for Arizona. And then uh, Bob Brenly, their uh, analyst, said some bad things about Marcus Stroman, and that cost him. Uh, he's going to take a leave of absence. Uh, I didn't hear the comment, but... If it's bad enough for you to to force you to step away for a little bit, uh, well, let's just say that I didn't think it was bad at all. You didn't? Okay. Marcus Stroman wore do rag, and then he said, "That's just like Tom Seaver did for the Mets, right? Making a joke." And obviously, Tom Seaver did not wear do rag when he pitched for the Mets in the '70s. It's like, okay, why? Why? What? Who's offended by that? You know, we were just talking about Krenz, how you know, you know, you mentioned that Clayton Kershaw hasn't been pitching as well here late. Can the Giants keep it up? So that'll be interesting to see how the NL West uh, really shakes out. And the big count, if you're going to bring this up with the big controversy with the uh, with the baseballs and the pitchers using ah yes substances and, and all of this, whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had your steroids and everything for the hitters, even though some pitchers used it, like you know, Roger Clemens. But now you've got the doctrine of the baseballs with pine tar and whatever else they're using. And for whatever reason, all of a sudden, this has become a thing. I don't know because you look at all the because of all the uh, offensive numbers are down, and we're looking for a reason why. And there may be pointing to this, the the doctrine of the baseball. So we'll see what becomes of this, uh, what uh, suspensions, or if they find anything on anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Cole had a bad, because baseball came out about a week ago and said we're going to be looking a little bit closer at this. I mean, they know what happens, mm-hmm. but they're not doing anything to police anything. Well, aren't they also uh, doing something with, like, the baseballs, too, trying to make, you know, they're trying to find the ones that are, you know, just so there aren't so many home runs, right? Isn't that? Didn't I see something? Yeah, about that? they changed the baseball a little bit, and they came out and said, "Yeah, we changed the baseball a little bit this year to make it more dead." After they denied living up the baseball, which they obviously did when the fucking Twins set the all-time home run record. Right. So there was that, and 
Yeah, like Trevor Bauer has been speculated that he has been doing it, even though he's against the cheating. Uh, he is against what Houston did yep. uh, a few years ago. So it'd be something if he was a cheater. That'd be interesting. Didn't the Cardinals have something against the, the White Sox? Was it last week or something? Didn't uh, I think the manager got pissed about something? The Cardinals manager. The White Sox? No, the Cardinals. The Cardinals manager. I'm not sure. Probably something. I think it was something though. Like they, like one of his guys came in from the bullpen, and there was something. There was a dark substance on the brim of his hat. Uh-huh. And yeah, that's that's that happens. And Garrett Cole did not pitch well last time out. I forget who he faced. He didn't pitch well. Probably Boston. And he uh, plays the Twins next through this week, which shouldn't be no issue at all. So if you're looking for somebody to pick in the pick and they haven't picked the Yankees, this would be a good time to pick the Yankees because you know they're going to sweep the Twins. So Oh, yes. Well, it's not the playoffs, so the, the, the Twins might sneak one out. So there's talk about you know maybe Garrett Cole because they look at his spin rate, and his spin rate was down a little bit. Mm. Is that due to him not using a certain substance? on the mound, and that caused him to not pitch really well. So, uh, we will see what happens over the next few weeks and months with certain guys struggling, and whether or not that is correlated to them not using certain substances on the baseball anymore. Mm-hmm. So, that's something to keep an eye on. And I don't blame these pitchers because uh, baseball it doesn't really doesn't enforce anything. Right. It's kind of like steroids. Like, they knew it was going on, but they didn't say anything or enforce it. Right. And all of a sudden, it was like... You can't be mad at the pitchers for doing this sort of thing when when they didn't do jack shit for the hitters until too late. Now, all of a sudden, oh, well, we can't put in Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds or anyone like that in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, because they knew it was going on, and then they know that the pitchers doctored the baseball some. Mm-hmm. But now that it reaches a certain point to where you know, they're dominating so much, they got to be like, well, what's going on here? So, you know, they're kind of hyper, hyper, how do you call it? hypocritical in that aspect. You know, mm-hmm. everybody knew steroids were going on, but then it got out of control. Like, well, everybody's hitting 50 home runs now. 50 home runs should be special. And it was hard to hit 50 home runs for the first 100 years of baseball, and all of a sudden it's not. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, there you go. Well, I think it's in part too. I mean, obviously, the 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 players themselves have just gotten so much bigger, too, and not yeah. and, and naturally too. It's not all just steroids, but you know, players today are bigger than what they were in the beginning in the turn of the twentieth century. I mean, you look at basketball players; they're just bigger and stronger now than they were back in the day. It's just uh, kind mm-hmm. of like an evolution of sorts. Uh, pitcher and hitter of the week. Still looking for a sponsor, but we'll get that here at some point. Uh, who is your pitcher of the week? Yeah, so it's hitter. I don't have a pitcher yet. Okay. We're efforting a pitcher. Um, let's go uh, Jesse Winker. Is that is that your hitter or your pitcher? It's my hitter. Hitter. Okay, Jesse Winker. You know who that is? No nope. clue. He's uh, 27 years old. This is his fifth season. Take a guess. This is his, he's 27 years, fifth team, you said? Or is his fifth year. It's been all with one team. What team do you think he plays for? Oh, uh, 
let's say the Giants. Cincinnati Reds. Oh, okay. He's leading baseball in OPS. He's hmm. hitting three fifty, having a great year. He has 17 home runs. Holy cow. He's having an outstanding year. Jesse Winker has been uh, pretty good, pretty good hitter for the last four years. And he's having a, a real breakout season this year. His previous career high in home runs was 16 two years ago. So he's already broken that 50 games into the year. So 17 home runs for Jesse Winker. He'll probably be an all-star. Very good. How did our boy Blankenhorn do, end up doing last week? He ended up playing a little bit for the Mets. What did he do? He only played a handful of at-bats for the Twins. What did he do for the Mets this week? He was two. Let's see, Mets. He was one for six. Hey, you know what? The walk. And yeah, one for six with a walk. Because the Mets have a lot of injuries, so they need him to play. Yep. That. Hey, at least he got a hit. Good for him. Who was our hit? Who was our pitcher last week? Pitcher last week was Chris uh, Bassett from Oakland. Oh yeah, Chris Bassett from Oakland. Um, I don't know. Pitcher of the week. Kind of want to go with some unknown guys. You've heard of this guy, though. I have. Uh, Kyle Gibson. Oh, yes. Yes, former twin, Kyle Gibson. He's with, do you know who he's with now? Uh, I was going to say Detroit, but I don't think that's right. It's um, a good guess because all the ex-twins go to Detroit. Uh, he is with the Texas Rangers. Oh, okay. And he had a horrendous start. I think he, uh, he was an opening day starter. Mm-hmm. And he uh, pitched against Kansas City and was off it. Uh, since then, though, he's been very good. He's 32 years old, 33 now, 33. He's a 4 0. He's pitched 65 innings. He has an ERA of 2.06, which leads the American League. Wow. He leads the American League in ERA. Kyle Gibson, former twin. He was with the Texas last year, too. He had a 4.5 ERA with the Twins. And, again, it's all, all that more impressive because in his first game, he pitched, uh, he got one out, gave up five runs. Jeez. On opening day. So they pulled him. His ERA at that point was 135. <laughs> and uh, it has gone down since to 2.06. So a third of his runs, five of his 15 runs were on uh, one start. So if you take out that start, let's see what he's done. Take out that one start, and he has an ERA of 1.38. Wow. That's over fantastic. 10 starts. So Kyle Gibson. I'll give him some mention. All right, very good. So Kyle Gibson from Texas and Jesse Winker from Cincinnati, your hitter and pitcher or your pitcher and hitter of the week. Uh, anything else baseball related that we need to get to? There are three games today. Yeah, seems a little light. Uh, one of them is a makeup. So <laughs> yep. there's only there was only originally for whatever reason two games on the schedule today. So very odd. Very odd. I wonder. I'm guessing though there are some games that are like interleague. Like I know Washington's playing Tampa Bay for two games. I believe this this week. So they're going to be of those like Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you do a Thursday. For I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Like why? I mean, you know, a white day of baseball might be you know like five, six, seven games. Mm-hmm. Like half the teams are still playing. Here it's 
Well, that's it's crazy. There's there were two games in a schedule. I have no idea why. There was, I believe, on a couple weeks ago, Tampa Bay and Philly had a two-game series. Yes. And they had a Friday night off and played Saturday Sunday. It was just bizarre. No. That doesn't. I think it was one where some team had like a Sunday off. It's like really weird. Yeah. Usually you'll have a Monday or Thursday off, Mm -hmm. not a Friday. Right. So it was really on Sunday. Yeah. It's weird. Just very, very weird. So there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more baseball next week. Let's get to the NBA playoffs now. And uh, thank goodness, Krenz, uh, very happy. The New York Knicks and their god-awful fans are gone. Get out of here. Trey Young shushed them, gave him a bow, did everything he could. What a fantastic series Trey Young and the Hawks had. They win that series 4-1. to one. And then the They're late- going to win. Depending what? on what Embiid's availability is, Embiid played well. Yes, he did. But I think Atlanta's winning this series, especially if Embiid goes down, which is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, I don't know what the betting line was to start the series, but Atlanta, look out. Um, would you be, if you were a Philadelphia 76ers fan, would you be encouraged by the result of game one? Like in that the fact that even though you lost, Joel Embiid played really well? Or would you be discouraged that you lost on your home court and you lost when Embiid played well? I mean, that. I'd be, I'd be encouraged because he played well. And if he plays like that, like they should be in the series. Yes. Um, they were down a lot. There was a 17 nothing run in the second quarter. They were down 20 some points in the second quarter. And then they made it to you know, a four point game at the end. So, you know. Just don't have that seventeen nothing run happen to you in this game. Mm-hmm. As long as your best player stays healthy, might be a six or seven gamer, but you should win. Yep. But if he, I mean, if Embiid goes down, I'd say curtains for Philadelphia. Well, we thought that I would have thought that would have happened to the Nets. You know, when James Harden leaves in the first minute of their second round, the opening game of their second round series against Milwaukee. I mean, James Harden leaves with a hamstring in the first game. He's not playing in game two. I would have thought that the Bucks would have capitalized on that like crazy because, yes, I mean, KD and Kyrie Irving are still very good, okay. but I think you could take them out, and they couldn't. Uh, so game two, I think a must-win game for the Bucks. Uh, that game it will be is playing on Monday night, so you will already know what happens there, but no Harden in that one. I think the Bucks absolutely have to win that game if they want a chance to win this series. So the Nets are the favorite to win the whole thing. Uh, James Harden doesn't need to play in this series. Durant and Kyrie Irving are plenty. Uh, they got Blake Griffin. He's good. Yeah, he was, he was very good in game one. He was the difference Eight, maker. 18 points, 14 rebounds, so... Uh, James Harden out. That means a little bit more for Blake Griffin. 18 and 14. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. They got Joe Harris. He had 19 points. So I think they were fine without him. When you got three Hall of Famers and you lose one of them, I think you can make it past Milwaukee. So yeah, I'm uh, the Nets. I think this is their thing to lose. So yeah. be, I mean Philadelphia. I mean Embiid's hobbled. So. Uh, I mean, a little underdog story, which you really see in the NBA playoffs, uh, an underdog make a run like you do in other sports. So if that's, if that's the Atlanta Hawks, mm-hmm. 
That's, that's all right. So I'm somewhat interested. I'm somewhat interested. I watched a little bit of Brooklyn, Milwaukee. I watched a little bit of Atlanta, Philadelphia, which is better than watching nothing of anything before. Mm-hmm. So. Like a Twins Royals. <laughs> and if this goddamn, and if these games were on so late, yeah, I would have watched more of the Suns Lakers. I watched a little bit of that. Yeah. But I go to bed at 10 o'clock every night, so I can maybe watch uh, maybe the first half. Mm-hmm. And I would really, if this Denver-Phoenix series was on at 7, that'd be great. But it's not. It's on at 9 o'clock. Yep. So, and I'm, Denver and Phoenix? Absolutely. Sign me up. Yeah. I mean, so I was I'm very, very glad that LeBron and the Lakers are out. I'm yeah. I'm happy that the Knicks are out. Get the, get them the both hell out of here. I just, I just don't like either the Lakers for obvious reasons because of you know, the whole Shaq thing. Like This goes back 20 years. This goes back a long yes, time. Yes, it does. A very long time. Over 20 years now. And then, of course, I don't like the Knicks just because Knicks fans are awful. And the Knicks have a terrible owner and nothing good should ever come to that franchise. But, with that being said, so I'm going to bed here. It's game six. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to bed here, but I'm just going to check my phone and, and see what's going on. And I see oh this my, score. Oh my. 46 to 18 or something like that. 40, like, or it was just some crazy number. Like, what is going on here with this game? Because this is supposed to be, oh, LeBron's back is against the wall. And this is, you know, we're going to see the Lakers come out playing hard and whatnot. I didn't realize that Anthony Davis was out at that time. You know, he made it five minutes, but it couldn't go with the groin. So I had to get up then and just watch a little bit of this game and the Lakers, to their credit, made a run, you know, got it to, I think, within 10 a couple of different times. Couldn't get past the hump here. And, and Phoenix wins. Chris Paul, despite a little bit of a bum shoulder, uh, played. You had Devin Booker, who shot out of his mind from deep. I think he was he made his first six threes and was 8 of 10 overall. Just fantastic. Uh, so this is a very fun Suns team. I think that a lot of people are trying to get used to because the Suns have been bad for so long. I, you know, I thought Portland was going to beat Denver just because you know no Jamal Murray. That would be a little bit of a uh, hindrance to the Nuggets. But Kyle Porter Jr. played really well for them when he needed to. Portland really shit the bed in Game Six. But I do like I think Phoenix to win this series. I think they're just a better team right now between Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I think they're going to take down the Nuggets. Should be a good series. Yeah, it's Phoenix Denver. I don't know. Right now, I'll take Phoenix, I guess. Who is hotter right now, the Phoenix Suns or the weather outside? The weather. Okay. The weather. Very good. Very good. The other West series, the Jazz and the Clippers. The Clippers, everyone's making a big deal about them exercising their demons or whatever from after last year's major debacle and collapse. I'm not even going to give them credit for that. I mean, it, they were pushed to seven games by the Dallas Mavericks. Yes, Luka Doncic is great, but it never should have happened that way. So I'm not going to give them a pat on the back. They did what they were supposed to. This Jazz series, I think, is very interesting. I will go with the Jazz, I think, because I just don't trust the Clippers and what they've seen. And I think Karma almost came back to bite them in round one after they chose to, to lose the final two games to the Thunder and Rockets in the regular season. But I think I'm going to go with the Jazz ever so slightly here. I'm going to go Jazz Nets finals right now. Ooh. Wow. Uh, Jazz, and Jazz are very good. Lost game one against Memphis and then <clears throat> kind of handled them after that. So, you know what? I mean, it's, it's, it's very different. The Lakers aren't in there. Golden State's aren't in there. This will be the first finals in 10, 11 years in which 
LeBron or Steph Curry is not in there. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, this has me interested for the first time. Like you're going to have, I mean, look at the West. Yeah, uh, the Jazz haven't been there since the '90s. Yep, they can, uh, The Suns haven't been there since the early '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nuggets have never been there. Yeah, and the Clippers have never been there. Right, so you're going to have uh, two teams that have never been there, another team that hasn't been there for almost 25 years, another team that hasn't been there for almost 30 years. So that's at least interesting. And in the East, it's the same thing in the East. Philadelphia hasn't been there since what 20 years ago. Yeah, they weren't much of a threat to the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Nets. They haven't been there since the early 2000s. Both teams lost to the Lakers, coincidentally yeah. enough. Atlanta's never been there. And uh, what's the team we're missing? And Milwaukee. Milwaukee hasn't been there since, what, the 70s? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. I would say Jazz, Nets at the moment. But if it's, you know, Suns, Nets, that's interesting. What, so, what, I mean, the NBA has to be praying, though, that the Clippers make it to the NBA Finals. Because that's the last big major media market well, outside of Philadelphia. Sure, that's fine, but out they, west, I mean, out west, you've got Denver and Phoenix and Utah, and they don't have any stars. Nikola Jokic is going to win MVP, and he's a amazing player, mm-hmm. but nobody knows who the fuck Nikola Jokic is. Right. Well, Donovan You're Mitchell is a star right. player, but there's just yeah. no there's no real draw. Outside no. of the fact that they're they're not in any major media markets, uh, I'm I'm shoving that aside. Even though I know that plays a factor in it, but I mean it's just there are these are three teams that are just kind of plopped randomly in the West, and no. I don't think so. The 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 fact that the Clippers won is huge for the NBA because otherwise you would have been without LA or New York. Uh, I mean, I guess you still have Brooklyn. So I, I I'm sorry. I guess that. That that counts, yep. um, but the Knicks are but still New know, York's it's team. Milwaukee, Utah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus I mean, Christ! It's just, and think about if you had Atlanta, Utah, or Atlanta, Denver. <laughs> I mean, that would be just horrific. At least with Milwaukee, they have Giannis, and I get Trey Young's a star, but uh, I would I think more people would turn tune into a Bucks uh, a final with the Bucks in it than they would the Hawks, right? Yeah, probably, yeah, because you got Giannis and MVP. Like, Trey Young is great, and he's, you know, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I see people say, I've seen this a couple times online, people say the Trey Young for Luka Doncic trade might be one of the most even trades of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, it was Luka Doncic, I mean, you know, what, he had 45 points in a game seven? Um, you look at what Trey Young is doing. Let's he's yeah, what thirty-five in game one. He averaged twenty-nine against the Knicks. I mean, you look at Luka Doncic. I mean, Jesus Christ, just he's he's such a better all-around player. Yes, but Trey Young an all-star, picks very good. Mm-hmm. Very but Luka, no Luka Doncic just is just. It's not a That's, it's not a knock on Trey Young no. to say Luka Doncic is is better. I think Trey Young for for his part is really making this trade close to even uh-huh. because I mean he is a star in the making. You see that Moxie? He's got the Moxie that Luka doesn't. But Luka yeah. is the guy who can get the assists and the rebounds on a more consistent basis. He's a more of a triple double threat than Trey Young is or ever will be. 
Trey Young averaged 29, almost 10 assists, and three rebounds against the Knicks. 29, 10, and three. Very good. Luka Doncic played a better team. The Clippers are better than the Knicks. Mm-hmm. He averaged 35, 10, and eight. That's remarkable. Like he, he had 46. He, he uh, what? He, he assisted or scored on 77 of their points mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday. 46. Point seven rebounds, fourteen assists in a game seven. Some of that—he's twenty-two years old. Right. That's doing something right there. That's really good. Some of that, though, is in part because that Trey Young has a much better supporting cast around him than yeah. than Luca does. Luca has to do it more on his own, which I guess, from that standpoint, you can say is all that more impressive. But he has to do that. Trey Young, I think, could do that if he needed to. But he's got guys like DeAndre Hunter and Bogdan Bogdanovich and uh, the the guy Clint from Capella. Yes, Clint Capella, who is blocking shots like crazy. Um, Against H and R Block should have sponsored him for tax season. Right. I mean, that was very, they should have done it with all the blocks he had. But I think you have or Legos. Maybe Legos would be the better one there. Yes, Legos I, should make a cereal. Yeah. Oh shit. Holy shit. Oh shit. Oh man. Oh, I just got a four, a one by four in my. What one am I getting this time? A little. Oh my god! I got a brown crayon in my cereal. <laughs> oh, what is this? What is this? Jesus, I just Googled Walmart cereals. I got another one stacking. Fuck oh, no. this. Oh, Fuck no. it. We'll save it till the end. Okay. We'll save it till the end. Okay. I found another one that's just fucking stupid <laughs> and ridiculous. I just found it. I just found it. Oh, man. Absolutely absurd. Fucking uh, absurd. And so. Anyways. Yeah. Um. I don't know where were we. Oh, I'm just. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the Hawks. Like, just a better supporting also mention. Let's mention Damian Lillard. What he did, uh, what was it, the game five? They yes. lost in double overtime. Yep, two shots to force overtimes, yep. He had a couple of crazy shots. He had 55 points. Yep. Also, of all the guys in the league, like it seems like he's got a couple of those where he goes off for almost 60. So he's he should probably get out of Portland because they're not going anywhere. Nope. You know, They're looking for a new coach. Kind of, Jason Kidd said he's not doing it. So They're uh, just kind of there. They're a good team, but... There's a lot of good teams out west. So mm-hmm. Damian Lillard at 30 years old. Don't go to the Lakers. That'd be that. That'd be terrible. Yes. But yeah, you'd man. like to see guys like that go somewhere in which they can can play in some big games. And I think didn't they make the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago? But didn't didn't really do much. Right. Right. Any other thoughts on the NBA playoffs? Also, like if you were to hold a NBA draft right now, the number one who would be the who would be the number one pick? Like of all the players, it wouldn't be LeBron because he's too old. Mm. Oh, okay, like, it, like active players right now. Giannis or Luka Doncic, I would say, would be your top two picks. Yes. Yep, I, uh, I think Embiid is, would be there if he would stay healthy. Jokic would have to be up there. Yeah, I would say Luka Doncic would be your number one pick. Where, I would have to think. Where does Devin Booker fall? He scores a lot of points. I mean, Yeah, he's not in the that. top ten. Okay. I mean, man... Trey Young, is he in the top 10, maybe closer mm. to the 10th spot? Like you mentioned, Giannis and all these other guys. Mm-hmm. A lot Harden, of young guys. But, Harden would have to be there. Yeah, Luka Doncic is, he's so young and he averages 30 points already. So. Mm-hmm. That he does. We'll keep following the NBA playoffs as they uh, start their second round. The NHL is in the middle of their second round. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, Krenz. I'm going to try and get Marcus 
on here to, to talk Montreal, about. Montreal Montreal's the bad team, right? Yeah. Any team that's all very good when they're killing one of them? Yes, they are. They are fine. I was just going to mention them. Uh, not only did they come back from 3-1 down against Toronto, but they have taken the first three games and they play Monday night. So uh, arguably a sweep because the Jets look uninterested. The Jets, uh, um, uh, Shoffley was the guy who delivered a nasty hit at the end of a game, game one. Empty net goal. Yeah. I mean, it was it was bad, and the Canadians are like, yeah, we're, this ain't gonna happen. And he's been banned four games. He might not come back here in this series. But it seemed like after that that the Canadians ramped, uh, amped it up a notch. The Jets are just like, yeah, okay, we're fine, we're done. Well, let's just let's be through with this here. You could get a Montreal Boston Stanley Cup final, which would be. Awesome, an original six here. Uh, so Mo- Montreal, if they win, they're going to be the four seed in the final yes. four, right? Yes. Yep. So they, they would, would play the winner of Vegas, Colorado. Is that yes, right? Yes, that is correct. And That's crazy. Montreal playing Vegas or Colorado, not in the finals. Right. Right. You're kidding me. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, that Vegas, Colorado series. I'm I'm stunned that Colorado is not up three one. At the bare minimum, uh, they've really struggled over the last few games, so hopefully Colorado can turn it around here because I hate Vegas after what they did to the Wild in uh, in that first-round series. And then the other series, uh, Carolina and Tampa Bay, still going on, so nothing like, nothing says hockey like a uh, battle of Southern teams in the playoffs. So that's uh, interesting. And Bruins-Islanders, fantastic series. I, like, I really hope the Islanders win. Just for the standpoint of it being, I mean, it's just the Islanders, a storied franchise, won all those Stanley Cups back in the, the 70s, and they play in Nassau Coliseum, a building which is very old. They're getting a new arena in Belmont Park. So, uh, by the way, the Belmont, uh, was it the Preakness that was? Preakness yeah, Belmont Stakes? Belmont Stakes, I think, was what, I mean, whatever. It was what it was. and it happened. Yep. Somebody won. Yep. No no, no triple crown this year, of course. Uh, Bob Baffert suspended two years. But it's interesting there. So I would really like to see the Islanders, I'm thinking. Uh, but you would look at like a Lightning Islander series. So it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this all pans out. And uh, teams can travel out of Canada, Canada which yes. they have to. Yep. And that's, uh, that's been allowed. So and I think the Blue Jays are playing their home games in Buffalo through July 21st. Then I think maybe they're returning to yeah. Canada. So, so that'll be nice. That'll be nice. They haven't been home in normal over a year. Yes. So. Yes, indeed. That'll um, be nice. Anything else we need to get to before we talk Justin Fields? Oh, yes. Uh, Simone Biles won a full last night. Yes. She's great. She is so was good. Was her seventh seven... world championship? I assume that's some qualifier for the Olympics. I think so she's she the favorite that, to win that's, the world. You know, I, I hate the Olympics. They're dumb. But, uh, I, you know, man, it's been five years since the last one, so we'll, we might tune in to, to see what they do. So. Yeah. Well, so tune in for no none other than Simone. Cause she maybe. Is, maybe, yeah, she, she's good. She's as good at her craft, at, at gymnastics. As anyone else is at theirs. Yeah. Like, so I don't know if like, she retires after this or what happens. I don't know. But uh-huh. there's that. Um, Roger Federer withdrew because of his knees. When he gets ready for Wimbledon. Serena lost uh, at the French Open. Serena lost. Uh, Nadal, probably Nadal Jokic, if that's the final possibility. I have no idea. Uh-huh. But, uh, you, you know, Nadal's going to probably win the thing. Yeah. So. 
Uh, speaking oh, of- and then uh, John Rom yes. uh, really effed himself something fierce. Yeah. Uh, he, what, because he had COVID, he had to withdraw from the memorial, and he was six shots up. He would have won the thing. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, and I don't believe he got his COVID shot. So maybe a dumb son of a bitch. Maybe get your fucking shot. Yeah, okay. yep. So I, I don't feel sorry for. I assume he doesn't have his COVID shot. And if he doesn't, I mean, what an idiot! Well, what he, it, it he, literally cost you a million dollars yeah. at least. Yeah, if he did get it, then that's a, or if he did get the shot, then that's a terrible thing to have happened to him. But yeah, if you don't get it, then you deserve what what you get. So. Um, yeah, just going back to the French Open, I know we, t- you know, we talked about Na- Naomi Osaka last week. She withdrew and talked about the mental health aspect and everything. I saw dumb shit Brett Favre say something about, oh, the, the media should be obliged to talk to, or the, the athletes should be obliged to talk to the media. And I, I mentioned last week that I think it's a delicate line or delicate balance here that, that you need to, to find. Um, but I do think athletes should talk to them, but I think there's a way that reporters need to go about certain things. And if you are dealing with some mental health issues, you know what, maybe take a little bit of time off. Just say, hey, I'm dealing with some stuff now. I'll be back to talk with you at some point. But I don't need Brett Favre talking about shit. He got hit in the head way too much. He's on way too many painkillers. Just STFU. Uh, Brett Favre, shut the fuck up. I mean, that's really all we need to do at this point right now. He, Brett Favre needs to go away, and he needs to go away for good. Why, are people, why, why is he all of a sudden... Well, see what Brett Favre thinks about this. I, like, what, what is this? Because he's got his podcast, and he's on NFL radio, so he says shit. Then, right. like, like, who cares? Okay, this is what he's saying. Like, who gives a shit what he thinks? I, I know, I'm just like... That's, I, I, that's weird. It's... Because he's got that media platform, he th- feels like he can say whatever he wants to on any given subject, sports or no sports. But, oh, but athletes have to stay within sports. Oh, shut up, Brett. Just shut up. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's uh, First off, uh, before we get to Justin Fields, Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titan. The Atlanta Falcons traded Julio to Tennessee for... A 2022 second round pick and a for nothing. They got him for goddamn nothing. Is what they got him. They got him for what? The 55th pick in the draft is yeah. what they got him. And and a third round pick in 2023. Oh they shit! They got him for or a fourth round pick, second or, or third or fourth, and then uh, then they traded a sixth in 2023 to uh, to Tennessee. Along with Jones. And I'm hearing all these people like, oh my gosh, the Tennessee Titans are going to be so difficult to stop in the red zone. And oh my gosh, this Tennessee Titans offense is going to be unstoppable. You have a 2,000-yard rusher in Derrick Henry. You have A.J. Brown. You have Julio Jones. I'm like, okay, let's pump the brakes here a little bit first. Because A, their, their offensive coordinator, he left. He's now the head coach in Atlanta. So that's number one. Two... As great as Derrick Henry and and AJ Brown are, the Titans lost significant pieces on the offense this year with Corey Davis, who I mean wasn't great, but he's not okay. terrible. I mean he signed a deal with the Jets. They lost Jonu Smith to uh, to New England, so I don't think they've really done anything to to help out on the tight end side. Like Fisker is, I think, or Fisker is their their starting tight end right now. He like whatever. Like that's that's not tight end is a major void on this Titans team. I think they lost uh, Humphreys, 
Um, I think he signed somewhere. They lost a lot of pieces on that offense. So it's not like just getting Julio is going to vault this team above. There's still major questions on the depth at wide receiver. Can Julio Jones stay healthy? That's another big question. So, yes, you have big bodies on the outside in A.J. Brown and, and Julio Jones. And I will take A.J. Brown over a lot of wide receivers here in the NFL. And Julio, when healthy, is very, very good. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy? I still think he's got one or two good seasons left, but I don't think this is a move that vaults Tennessee over, certainly not Kansas City, probably not Cleveland, uh, maybe Baltimore. That's up for debate. Baltimore did beat them last year in the in the playoffs. So is this, this is a good trade for Tennessee to provide them depth, and now they have superior athletes on the outside. But I don't think this is a, oh my gosh, like, Put pencil Tennessee down to win the AFC South because if well, if if dumb shit from Fargo or from Bismarck here Carson Wentz if he well, even plays worth a damn, the Colts have a very solid team that I think could beat Tennessee for the AFC South. I mean, yes, you do get the Jaguars and the Texans twice for what it's. I mean, the Texans are just awful. May as well pencil them in for the number one pick next year. But again, with that being said, I'm not sure that this is a move that vaults Tennessee to the top echelon of the AFC, let alone vaults them like to number one in the AFC South. I think they win the division. I mean, they're the favorite to do that. Um, yeah, like they're, they're, they're better, obviously, but yeah, they're going to kill folks. No, they should you know, win 10, 11 games, maybe, if, if, they, if, they, if they do well. So, mm-hmm. and they're, yeah, they're right there. Like you got Kansas, like any one of like five or six teams, if you like, could make the AFC title game. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Baltimore, if they made it, that wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. Well, if Kansas City or Cleveland or Tennessee did it, or Buffalo again, you'd be like, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yep. Yeah, and so. you forgot to mention Buffalo in the that list there. So I, I don't know. Well, this... basically, second round pick, and then a couple of other, you know, third, fourth rounders. Mm-hmm. Like how, like again, with NFL trades, I, I, I don't understand them at all. Well, like, I just don't. I just don't. Well, this is actually good. I mean, Julio Jones is up like, there. You can't, get a, you can't get a first-round pick for Julio Jones. He's just he's up there in age, and he's been injured a little bit. I think that's why they... He's t- 32. He was missed some games last year. It's like, you can't get a first-round pick for him. Well, you're carrying the... Like, cap, you, like, who was it? Uh, Jets traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker. Yep. Right? Yes. Yep. Ten spots with the Vikings. Or nine spots. They gave up a first rounder and two thirds. Yes. For him. Yep. They gave up more for him than the Titans gave up for a Hall of Fame receiver. Yeah, but again. Like, what? What sense does that make? Well, Jones carries a $15.9 million cap hit that the Falcons now are off the books for, which helps them a lot. Like, I think Tennessee's taking on all of his. all of his salary, so I think maybe that's part of it. If 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 Atlanta had taken on some of it, I think then they would have gotten a first rounder. But t- they're well, not. Yeah, I mean that's what he's going to make because I mean he's that good. You'd expect yes. a receiver of him or his caliber to make fifteen million a year. Yep, I think I think second. Well, when 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 Muhammad Sanu goes for a second round pick two years ago, that's called that. That's called fleecing. That, that's okay. like what? And, he, and, he, and he lasts like eight games with New England. Yeah. Like, how is Muhammad Sanu worth a second round pick, and then Julio Jones also worth 
a second round pick. Like what? Yeah, that was like what? Like Randy Moss was worth a fourth rounder mm-hmm. to the Raiders. I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah, that was bad. That was very like, bad. What in the fuck? Elijah Vera Tucker. If he does well, good for him. And if he fell to the Vikings, fine. Mm-hmm. But Jesus Christ, giving up more for him than Julio Jones. It's like NFL trades fucking kill me. Well, the, con- the, the contracts kill me. It's like, oh, yeah, all the, like the Vikings. Oh, they got rid of Kyle Rudolph. He was $8 million in new salary cap. It's like, like, I can't care about these contracts because they can just do whatever they want. And if you're having salary cap trouble, you cut a guy. All, all of a sudden, yep, you're fine. Well, like, with, I just can't care about anything. Well, but league. with Rudolph, there's no way that he was worth $8 million a year. No. So you cut him, and then they're fine. It's like, all right, you cut him. Yeah. And whenever a salary cap trouble, you and they sign a couple quarterback, whatever. So, like, the Saints were, I don't know what the Saints situation is now with the salary cap. It was just it was horrendous. They're like 50, 60 million over the cap. Well, yeah. you get rid of Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot. And I don't know who else they've gotten rid of. Uh, cornerback, co- yeah. uh, I think, uh, like, Jan- did Janoris Jenkins leave? Or they, they had some, they lost some well, guys. Well, so now they're fine. It's like, yeah, you just, whatever you do with the numbers to make it work, you do. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's no like consequences to a bad contract. The, the steel. Well, there, there is. The Vikings are kind of in that boat with Kirk Cousins. Um, well, if he wasn't the quarterback, who'd be the quarterback? Well, they would have. Bridgewater, and he's making what ten, fifteen million a year. Yeah, I mean it's not much. Like, they, if you want to be good, either you got a rookie quarterback who's not making much. Or you got a guy who's making twenty five, thirty million a year. And I'm not saying that it's a, it's bad that the, that Kirk is making that money. I'm just saying that with that high, especially with the cap as low as it was, I think that's part of the issue. Is that the cap was so low this year because of uh, you know not having any fans last year in all in, in most stadiums. Um, so that certainly hurt. But speaking of the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, I mean, also they signed uh, Bashad Breeland, the former cornerback from Kansas City. I really like this move. I think he'll be good in the secondary there. But now speaking of the Vikings, this is a topic that we were going to uh, teased last week that we would discuss, and it's Justin Fields. And apparently there was a video that the Carolina Panthers released a couple weeks ago now that they the uh, who picked seven? I, I can't even remember right now. But it, it, it's inconsequential at this point um, because Carolina was there at eight and. They apparently had a, received a call from the Vikings, and the Vikings were going to send their first-round pick, pick 90, and pick 143. Then they got to be a third and a fourth. That round. was it? Yes. Maybe there well, was something else. pick next year. I, I don't think so. It seemed like oh, it was a third and a fourth round this year, as well as their first, to move up six spots. And at pick eight, they were going to take Justin Fields. And... So for that, I think I don't know how the, the Panthers thought about it and said, "Nope, we're going to stand pat." They're going to, you know, they took J.C. Horn, the cornerback from uh, South Carolina. I don't know if he probably. God would've... forbid we give up J.C. Horn for Christ's sake. I think he would have been there, or there would have been another cornerback down there at fourteen, or you could have traded up if you needed to. Uh, 
so Carolina didn't do it, but the Vikings were targeting Justin Fields. And now, you know, I saw PFT talk about, oh, there's potentially another awkward situation. It's like, no, the Vikings are trying to think of life after Kirk Cousins. And I think Kellamond is a very good pick, but certainly not Justin Fields. Like, this would have been the guy, the franchise quarterback that Vikings fans have longed for, a young face, a star athlete. And... I think you could make an argument that they could have tried. Uh, oh, it was uh, Detroit was at seven, and they took Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon. There, so there's talk like, oh, you could have maybe tried to trade up with Denver. Well, Denver maybe want, was looking at a quarterback. That was a that was a thought. They took Patrick Sertan. Dallas then they made the trade with Philadelphia, so Philly could take Devonte Smith. And then Dallas took Micah Parsons. But Dallas may not have wanted... I mean, there were a lot of good defensive players there. They may not have wanted to trade up with the Vikings. So if, I don't know if the Vikings tried to go after... Uh, like, to, to call the Giants at 11. Uh, and maybe the Giants were already in in talks with the Bears. And, I mean, it's awfully difficult. Or no, who is that? Yeah, there was the Giants at 11. And maybe, like, oh, you know... We could get a first-round pick in next year's draft to fall nine slots, or maybe the Vikings will give us an extra third this year to move back three. Hell no, we're not going to do that. So I think it, it. I don't know what else the Vikings were going to try and give up for, for Carolina. I know it was pick 90. I know it was pick 143 in addition to their first-round pick. And Carolina said no. So I don't know what else the Vikings were going to try and do to get there at 9-10. Uh, maybe they thought Justin Fields would keep falling. So I, I'm conflicted in how I feel about this because it would have been awesome for the Vikings to be able to complete this trade, get Justin Fields, uh, and it sucked you know, even after that Monday knowing that they, if Fields had fallen to 14, the Vikings would have taken him. But they did pick up significant uh, pieces on the offensive line, which is good. They did end up getting Kellen Mond. But now it's the fact that Justin Fields is in Chicago. The Vikings have to face him twice a year. It's just, it's very, very, I'm feeling very conflicted with how I feel on this. It just sucks that the Vikings were so close and Carolina basically shut them down. Apparently they were also trying to trade up for Rashawn Slater. That's a possibility too, yep. But I think that Justin Fields would have been... It's just one two here. That was probably after that. Um, Yes, yep. It seems like for Kirk Cousins, like everything needs to be perfect. Like, the offensive line needs to be perfect. The receivers need to be all-pro receivers. He needs an all-pro running back. Like, he needs everything. For him to be successful, he needs everything to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, if one of those areas, like the Vikings offensive line hasn't been good, and uh, it seems like if something's not good, well, he's not going to be good. You know? Mm-hmm. Other guy that seems like Seattle never has a good offensive line, and Seattle never has any wide receivers, but then or running game, and Russell Wilson just makes it work somehow. So right. you've got a guy in Kirk Cousins that he needs everything. Like the Packers never have any receivers worth a damn, but then Aaron Rodgers just wins an MVP just because he's that good. Well, he's got Devonte Adams, and to Russell, the, the point on Russell yeah, Wilson, good. Russell is, can also run a lot, hell of yeah. a lot better than Kirk Cousins can. Yeah, and then they, then the Packers never, you know, they never draft receivers. They never help the quarterback out because it's, it's it's fine for them just to go along with whoever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Kirk Cousins, like, do something this year. The offensive line's better. You've got two great receivers. Like, you know, defense is going to be better. Mm-hmm. And the best he can do is win a playoff game. So, 
And if you get a guy like Justin Fields, that'd be unbelievable. Yep. That'd have been the, the best guy they've ever had since Dante Culpepper, 20 plus years ago. They've never picked a guy like that since then. Mm-hmm. So, and if they would have put a first round pick on that, they probably would have gotten him. But they didn't. So, whatever happens, happens. But it's like, yeah, like Kirk Cousins, like two more years, he should be here. He should be here this season or the next season. That should be it, right? Like, he should be done. Maybe this like what? What uh, they they gave him an extension? Like okay, that's kind of put him in the ass. Mm-hmm. Like well, I I don't see any way like he stays, or they they yeah. keep they keep him. Like he would have to reach the the uh, conference title game. Mm-hmm. One of these two years, and I if that happens, even then it'd be like okay, we gotta move on from this guy. But. Yep. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think he's only got one or two years left. Um, two years to go because I don't think they can cut him at this point because it's just too much. Pro- probably not, no. Um, it's just, it's just again, it sucks that they were so close to pulling. I mean, And, yes, Dante Culpepper was good, but he was still, I mean, yeah, he was at Central Florida. This was Justin Fields. Like, he was clearly the, the – a top two, top three quarterback in this. He was the number two quarterback at the end of the season. But yes. Somehow he dropped to five. Yes, like and it, and that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense that the kid from the Disney Channel, Zach Wilson, gets uh, drafted ahead of him. No. Uh, maybe a project like Trey Lance. Lance very athletic, has a lot of potential, but he's you know it, it's you see what's on the field with Justin Fields, no pun intended, and again. For him to fall that way, and I think the Vikings tried a couple of different ways, but yet they still came out with a really good draft. They they solidified the offensive line, which was important. Darasaw's very good. They get Wyatt Davis from Ohio State to, to man that guard position. There's no reason why the Vikings shouldn't have a good offensive line here going forward between Brian O'Neill and you got Ezra Cleveland, and we'll see uh, if Garrett Bradbury can... Can pick up the slack here a little bit now after a couple of so-so seasons. It's just again for them to come up short. It's just the if the they come up short in the draft, just like they've come up short in big games, whether that be an NFC Championship game against Atlanta, New Orleans, uh, Philly. I mean, the one thing that the Vikings have been able to succeed at was just the Minneapolis miracle, <laughs> and that was a fluke by the Saints. And uh, oh, they should have lost that game, but all right. They had the game that they blew. They were what, I had by 18 points? Yeah, so it was 17 nothing at that like, like, middle of the third. absolutely blew that game sometimes. Yep. They blew it. Yep. And they needed to do that to happen. Yep. And Delvin Cook, he's the best player. He needs to he needs to stay healthy. Yes. Like, every game I just wonder, okay, is this the game he gets certain he's yep. out for a month? Yep. Yep. Like, I he's the two. Byron Buxton of the Vikings. Like, mm-hmm. when when is Delvin Cook going to hurt, hurt his uh, fucking leg and be out for four games? Yep. I agree. It's like I, I just wait for it. Oh, oh, yep. It's game game six versus Oakland this year versus the Raiders. Oh, yep, there it is. I just I feel very conflicted over this story because it would have been great, but I can't be sad about what the or mad about what the Vikings did in the draft to shore up their team. And the thing about it is, like the NFC is not hard. Like I'd much rather be in the NFC than the AFC. Oh yes, yes. You look at the AFC and you look at all these teams, you look like a team like the Chargers who weren't even in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the quarterback that they've got, goddamn. Mm-hmm. But you look at all that, and then you look at the uh, NFC, 
and Seattle's not. I mean, the Vikings competed with all of these teams. Vikings were so bad last year, and they almost won at Seattle, which they never do. Right. They beat the Packers at yep. Lambeau Field, which they don't do very much. They won at Chicago for the like. They did all of these things. Like if you would have told me at the end of the year, yeah, they're going to go to Chicago and win. They're going to go to go to Green Bay and win. I'd say shit. They they're probably a twelve win team winning the division. But no, they were what a seven win team. Yep. It's like how do you go to those places where you never play well and you play well and you lose to Seattle? on the last possession by yeah. one or two points. It's like you do all these things and you're still so bad, you know? Well, I, again, fans, I think, in the stands, uh, playing in empty stadiums had a, a part to do with that, but that's also yeah. can explain why the Vikings weren't as good at home either because they didn't have any fans. Uh, the defense was bad. Hopefully things work out with Daniil Hunter. We'll see how that goes. But I think there's there's reason for optimism with the Vikings this year, and that's regardless of what goes on in Green Bay with the Aaron Rodgers situation. Um, but there's, every other year with Mike Zimmer. He yeah. makes the playoffs one year, he misses it the next. And, and then he makes odd, it the next. So this is an odd year. Yep, I agree. I agree. Anything else we need to get to this week? No. Oh, the cereal. The cereal. cereal. Yeah. Not that coming up. Uh, I got the cement board. We're moving this garage hopefully sometime in the next couple weeks. Okay. And we meant to miss this garage. The neighbor's house burnt down. And they're gonna, they've rebuilt. They're in the process of rebuilding. And they've got this nice old two-story barn-type garage. And they had a one-stall garage, and they want this one because it's a two-stall, and they were going to tear it down. Well, I would lie. I wanted it, so they gave it to us for nothing. And some guy came and took ours away about a month ago, and now he has to now take this other older, taller, bigger building and move it over 70 feet or so, 50 feet. So we got the garage done today, the, uh, the cement board. So we are ready to go here anytime next this weekend, next weekend, whenever this guy wants to do it. Two two stall or one stall? Two stall. Very so good. that's why we want it. Because the other one was one and this one's two. Yep. So we want we want the two. Very good. That's yeah, key. Very key there. All right, I found a cereal on Walmart's website. Um, like these here by themselves, like they are I haven't had one of these in many years. Okay. They're very good though. Uh, something you would find, um, I guess it's, it's Cosmic Brownie Cereal. Okay, a Little Debbie, yeah. all right. The Little Debbies, the Little Debbies, the Little Brownies. Yep. That's a cereal. Fuck. What? What? Little little what? Debbie Cosmic Brownie Cereal. Little brown turds in your milk. <laughs> is what it looks like. And that I've never, that's something I had not seen before, but that's something else that I would just, just go through the Little Debbie line and. The honey buns, that's mm. a cereal. Mm. Uh, there's s'mores cereal, yep. the, uh, you know, the big bags of cereal at the end, the yep. big bags. Yep. S'mores looks like little bits of chocolate, little bits of marshmallow. Uh, marshmallow. Like, I like, I don't like that type of cereal. I don't know how to, I eat cereal every day. I've got Wheaties, Crispex, I'll go Honey Nut Cheerios. I'll go multivitamin and multi-grain Cheerios. Those are pretty good. How about Apple Jacks? No, never been an Apple. They're fine. I've had them, but they're not on my list. They're fine. 
um, you know, frosted flakes every once in a while. They're good. Obviously, it's frosted flakes for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. Hard to beat that. Shredded wheat sometimes is good. Um, Rice Krispies are fine. Um, all these other cereals, like, no, I no, I don't like chocolate, all this shit in my cereal. I just don't like that. Okay, so I, my one of my favorites is Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs, so that's certainly not on your list. Well, I'm sure I've never had it. And I'm sure it's pretty fucking good because Reese's peanut butter cups are pretty goddamn good. They are fantastic. They like, really you put little balls of that in your cereal, I would imagine that's not bad to eat. Nope. Am I eating it? No. Will I get it someday? Maybe. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it tastes pretty good. Yes, it does. It, I would have to imagine. So, like, let's let's think. I mean, we could have, like, a Dr. Pepper cereal or a... How about yes. this buttered popcorn cereal? We could with whatever... Whatever the jelly beans are now. Ah, the jelly uh, 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 Krispy Kreme donut or yeah, some uh, Krispy Kreme flavored jelly beans. Yeah, you can make that into a cereal. Yeah, why not? Why not? Because I just I just look at all this like ramen ramen noodle. Why can't ramen noodle have a have a cereal? You could add a flavor packet after you pour the cereal in and pour some milk on a little. Flavor See how packet. great would that be? Some chicken, some <laughs> shrimp noodles. <laughs> Beef, how great would that be? Oh, man. Now look at this. Uh, cinnamon Toast Crunch. People like that. It's just too much. I've never had Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Really? It's very good. That's very good. a lot of sugar, I would imagine. That's Cocoa Pebbles. No. Fruity not Pebbles. Not doing uh, that. Not doing that. How about Fruity Pebbles or Tricks or anything like that? I've had that. Not very often. Uh, Lucky Charms. Not. No. No one marshmallows. No. Count Chocula. No. Not doing any of that. Golden Grams, nope, that's, I've had that, I think that's, that's, that just tastes bad to me. I, I know you won't go for this, but I really enjoy the Rice Krispie Treat cereal. No, see, I will, I will, I've had that, that's good shit. Oh, really? Okay. I, that's something, I, I haven't had in a long time, I had it uh, maybe a couple of years ago, I bought a, bought some, because I remember as a kid, fuck, that, that was good, that was some good, sweet stuff, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. All right. Rice Krispie treat the, the clusters of the Rice Krispies. I would that might be on the list next time we go to the store. All right. I didn't know if that, I didn't know if you would go for that. I really didn't. Something like that, like no chocolates, no marshmallows. That's no. Well, even Rice the berries. I hate the berries in the Captain Crunch. Just give me Captain Crunch. I don't like the berries. Okay. People sometimes love the berries. I don't like the berries. So, so you're not the Captain oops all, Crunch. You don't go to the store and get the oops all berries box. Of, no, because I don't like that. I like Captain Crunch. How about peanut like butter berries. crunch? Peanut butter crunch. Huh? How about peanut butter crunch? Oh, I'm, I'm sure I never had peanut butter anything with my cereal. Okay. I'm sure it tastes pretty good, but I don't. I'm not looking for raisin bran, right? I like raisin bran. I uh, know Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops are all right. Um, things like that. So, it's getting nuts. Special K, I like Special K. Pretty boring, but uh, corn pops. Corn pops, pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, tricks, I've not had tricks often. I've had them, they're fine. Kicks, kicks is about as boring as you can get. They're mm. fine. Yes, kicks. I, the kicks are like mixed berry kicks. That's good. Yeah. Honey smacks, fucking disgusting. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm not a... I'm not a, a. I don't much care for those. No, so that's a cornflakes. Pretty, pretty boring. I saw they had uh, cookies and cream rice krispies. That might be pretty good. I'm not buying it though. Cookies and cream rice krispies. They've got honeycomb. I like honeycombs. Those are good. 
I would eat that. Mm-hmm. That's about it. So those are, that's where I stand grape nuts. May as well go outside, get a bucket of fucking gravel and eat that. Grape nuts. <laughs> Who the fuck likes grape nuts? I don't know. Grape nuts? Jesus no, Christ. It's, it's that bad. I agree. It's bad. Each and a bunch of rocks. So there's that and there's a, there's a family guy with the family guy one with Captain Crunch where it's like, uh, you tell that son of a bitch that his cereal cuts through off of my mouth. <laughs> have you seen that one? Yes, I have. I have. And Captain Crunch is like, no, my cereal does not <laughs> cut the roof of your mouth. That's, I mean, that's just good stuff there. So very good. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a list here. We're gonna go through this each week. I'm gonna. I'm, there are some that aren't in aren't in, in production anymore. But I'm gonna go through this. We're gonna go through it alphabetically. Okay. We're gonna see out of the ones that are present if you would. Uh, if you would My eat thoughts. any of this stuff, so there's like I'm not gonna go with the ones that aren't in production anymore. So we'll just find the, the ones that are in production. So we're gonna make this a weekly thing here. Oh, there's one here in the LA Times. This is LA Times from two years ago, March of 2019. The breakfast LA Times breakfast cereal rankings. Number one is cinnamon toast crunch. Fuck off. <laughs> Number, number two is some of that Cheerios, fine. Number three is Cocoa Puffs, shove it up your dick. Golden Grams, Golden Grams, no. Reese's Puffs, no. Chocolate Frosted Flakes, how the fuck is chocolate Frosted Flakes above normal? It shouldn't uh, be, it shouldn't be. Uh, French Toast Crunch, ooh. Cocoa Krispies. Fuck you, like all of these bullshit cereals. Apple Jacks, it's fine, but I'm not... Corn Pops, number 12, they say Corn Pops are totally average. They're a five foot nine inch guy named Dave, is what they <laughs> compare them to. Like, yeah, Corn Pops are fine. Fruit Loops are 13th on this list. Once they get past the top 10 of all their bullshit cereals they think are good, then you actually get to the good stuff. Honeycombs, Raisin Bran, Frosted Flakes, you know, Captain Crunch. Then once you get past the top 10, then you actually get to something worth a damn. So, I don't know, do most people like this shit? Yes, they do. Or what? They, yeah. they like cinnamon. What the fuck is the big deal about cinnamon toast crunch? I should have it. It's the taste like, you I, can uh, see, Krenz. It's cinnadust all over the... I don't cream. want cinnamon. I don't like <laughs> large quantities of cinnamon. Well, you're not going to like this. Uh, by That's the way, why I don't eat the shit. God damn. By, by the way... Cinnamon toast crunch all of this fucking... <laughs> Fucking sugar and shit on this cinnamon toast crunch. By the way, Grape Nuts has been in uh, production since 1897. Raisin Bran? No, Grape Nuts. Grape Oh, nuts. Grape Nuts. Like, what is it? <laughs> That's nuts and grapes. I don't know what to it's tell you. a bunch of brown fucking little rocks. <laughs> it's like nothing. Raisin Bran, uh, 1944. So. Yeah, that sounds solid. So, there we go. We'll start oh, that. So we'll start that next week. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and go through these. Maybe take a, a few letters each week. So, uh, something to look forward we'll to. That. Anything else we need to get to? I'll be excited. All right. Very good. Well, you have a great week. Stay cool. Uh, hopefully, the sunburn goes away again. Aloe vera. Uh, put some sunscreen on now. After that yes. heals up. Uh, good luck with pickleball if you can do it. But most of all, stay cool. Good yes. luck with the garage, and we'll, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right, we'll talk soon. We'll see you later. All right, very good. 
Uh, Travis Grins here joining me on Sports Block Podcast. Uh, we're gonna. Oh, maybe we should do this like a like a serial killer. Like who's killing our cereal here now with these either bad flavors? Uh, we're we're gonna do something with that. Certainly, it's a uh, obviously like make it to the Super Bowl, make it to the cereal bowl. Who's making it to the cereal bowl? Uh, do ooh bracket break. Oh, Grins, we're gonna have to do a bracket breakdown on cereals. Uh, who's winning what? Uh, I think that would be very interesting. So we'll do that here next week. Uh, let's talk some more. We'll talk some more hockey here. Maybe talk some Timberwolves uh, with Marcus Traxler. We'll get him on, hopefully. If not, we'll just wrap up with uh, with some hockey talk here. That's coming up on the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Andy Stacken, Facebook, Nathan Stacken, Travis Crins on Twitter, at Travis Crins. A link to the podcast, posted middle to later part of each week. Done with the serial talk for now, but we'll, we'll talk some hockey next here and wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hopefully with Marcus Traxler and the podcast is always available on podcast.com. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, pleased to be joined by my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic and our resident uh, hockey expert, Barry Melrose Jr. himself, uh, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stacking. How are you? Good. Trying to keep uh, as cool as you can here in these uh, this very hot uh, beginning to June. It sucks, but uh, it, it makes us it makes me long for winter. That's for sure. Well, I'm looking at a, a, a sheet of ice that you need. You might need that as sort of a calming effect with the with the hot weather. Uh, I can't say it's working, but you can at least try. So I can't imagine what it's like skating in Vegas or Arizona at this time of the year. I mean, I kudos to uh, to to the to the crew there at the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas for being able to keep the uh, the ice as good as it can be. I guess at this time of the year. Yeah, and you look at, at some of the teams that are left. Uh, you know, obviously Tampa Bay is still left. They mm-hmm. they were just playing Carolina. Those are two Southern. Uh, climate teams and yeah it's just you know I, I don't obviously we're not ice experts but uh, you kind of have to I think go through trial and error to get on the, the right page and then even to a certain degree when it is 100 degrees out it's it's out of your control we saw some of that with uh, with at the end of the wild series with Vegas where you know it's 100 degrees it's going to get a little slushy uh, and you just try to manage it the best you can so certainly uh one of those things that becomes a challenge when you play uh, a winter sport uh, well into June. Yep, absolutely. And you mentioned the Wild, so let's just start there. The Wild do force a Game 7, but they fall to Vegas 6-2 uh, to two in Game 7. But, I mean, what, Erickson Eck got hurt? Uh, the Spur- was it Spurgeon or... Um, yeah, Brodeen. Bro- uh, uh, Brodeen, yeah. Brodeen, separate shoulders. So. Yep. So, I mean, they, they didn't have their full complement uh, of teams, their full cast of characters. And Vegas, you could just tell they were faster, and they they took it to the Wild. And it's disappointing because the Wild now are no longer undefeated in Game 7s, now 3-1. and one. All, all four Game 7s have been on the road. But they did force a Game 7 after being down 3-1. I think, you know, given that we didn't know how this season was going to play out for them, I think overall, I think you have to consider the season a success and hopefully the building blocks to something better for this franchise in, in terms of getting out of the first round of the playoffs and making a deeper playoff push. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I just think when you look at uh, what this season was going in, um, I don't think expectations were necessarily that they were going to be in the playoffs. I think they absolutely benefited from the divisional setup that they won. Mm-hmm. Uh, some bad teams in, in the West. Uh, yep. LA was not good. Anaheim was not good. That was two teams out of your way. Phoenix or uh, Arizona was weird. So you, you have really three teams that you knew were not going to be in your way. San Jose was not good. Uh, you can just go down the list, and when half your division is not really playoff contenders, uh, that opens things up, especially when, you, when they've kind of stuck with, yep, we're going to take four teams from each division, and you're only playing within your division. So that, uh, we talked about kind of how weird that would be for the playoffs, but that worked out for the Wild. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly they, they uh, got their punches in on those teams, and then had the opportunities to play Colorado and Vegas to mixed uh, success. So uh, the fact that they made the playoffs – that they got to the seventh game in the first round against a team that uh, you know, they get into with Vegas has uh, is, is looked good now, sort of bouncing back in their second round series. So I don't think there's any shame to going out uh, to Vegas. Um, you know, if at the beginning of the playoffs you said, hey, it's going to be a seven game series, you know, take your chances at that point. I think a lot of wild fans might take that, mm-hmm. knowing what kind of caliber team Vegas had. It didn't work out, and I agree with you. It stinks to be to see that. Uh, that loss come funny to get filled up in uh, in a seventh game, but um, I, I agree with you. You know, uh, you, you play four game sevens in your first twenty years as a franchise all on the road. I think you got to take three and one, and uh, the three wins you know are among the most memorable in wild history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, given that those were series victories all on the road, I, I believe at least a couple of them were in overtime in all three. Yep. Yes, uh, that was the you know the Wild were the first team ever to come back from 3-1 down uh, in consecutive series there in the playoffs and win those series. So that was certainly uh, fun to see. Uh, I think I, I am one now that after seeing Zach Parise in this in this in these playoffs, I would love to see him stick around, albeit in a more limited capacity, give him more time off, uh, maybe throw him on the fourth line because he still has it. I mean, he had a very successful, a very good playoff series. Uh, I don't know if that's in the cards for the, him or the Wild, but certainly, you know, if he's done, I mean, it, he gave it his all for this franchise. Uh, but if he wants to stick around, if the, if the team can kind of make something work, I wouldn't mind him staying in Minnesota. Again, maybe a little more rest in there, but when he's fresh, boy, he, he still has it. Yeah, I think I think all that is kind of part of the, what probably needs to be the future uh, of Zach Parise. I mean, clearly he's a prideful guy. He didn't, he doesn't, can't have loved being on the bench as much as he was uh, towards the end of the season and, and in the playoffs. And that injury sort of necessitated getting him back in there. He is still a threat on the power play. The guy knows how to score moves. I mean, in wild history, they just have not had a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's still a prominent goal scorer, so he showed his worth in that category in the playoffs. You know, I know we've talked a lot over you know, the years that we've known each other about the contracts of Parisi and Suter, and we're getting to the point now where we're doing, I think, those three years left or four years left, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after this season comes to an end. Uh, the contract is what it is. I just, I think they're going to have a hard time getting rid of it. Um, you know, other teams got to see how, how Parisi operated as well, and who knows if he wants to exercise that new move or not. I, you know, I love the idea of him being on the wild for 13 years, just with the the you know, Minnesota connections he had. He clearly likes playing for the wild. Clearly likes Minnesota. But if it ends up being a scenario where he's got to go play somewhere else, I, I think he's a professional. He'll understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what you said about you know 
limiting his, his ice time, limiting his role, I, I think is an important part of it. I, I just think he's not going to be a, a 20, 25 minute a night guy anymore. And you could say the same thing about Ryan Suter. I mean, Ryan Suter plays hard. Uh, he loves to eat up that ice time, but he's getting older. And, and uh, you don't want guys that are going to be a liability, especially as they get up there in age. So that's going to be a major you know, storyline going forward. It, it was tense with, with him in the wild, and rightfully so, because really the face of your franchise was sitting in the press box uh, you know, late in the season, and that's that's going to get headlines. And I, I think he, he probably said the right things here as the season wore down and didn't want to be a distraction. And, um, you know, we'll see how it, how it all unfolds, because this is going to be a really interesting offseason, given who the Wild have to pay. They do have some money to work with, so I, I think, I mean, he's, he's kind of the number one storyline once you get past the expansion draft and, and the guys they have to resign. Yep, and I think uh, Wild fans believe in Jim Bill Guerin. They believe in uh, Dean Evison, the head coach. So now, and, and I'm asking this because I, I really don't know. So if you have any thoughts on this or if we just want to see how it all plays out, that's fine. What do the Wild do this offseason to improve their team? Either, you know, like re-signing some of their guys, going out in free agency and draft. Where can the Wild, what do the Wild need to do to be more impactful next season and, like I said, make that significant playoff push? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Bill Garrett has made the point that, uh, you know, they're looking to improve with kind of that top six center. So everybody's trying to look at Jack Eichel because he's always going to be available. You know, I really don't know if that's in the Wilds, uh, you know, in, in their budget, really. You know, is that is that something they can really do? I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think uh, they have three major guys that they need to resign, Kaprizov, Erickson Eck, and Fiala. And I think, you know, that the, the Cap space was in the territory of twenty million or twenty five million, and a lot of that's going to go to those three guys. They need any long term contracts with those guys at twenty two million. I just looked that up. So, uh, you know, in a normal off season, that's that's probably plenty of money. But you know, uh, you know, those three guys are, are going to need a raise. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so it's it, you know, Jack Eichel has a ten million dollars salary. So you start breaking down where things stand. It I don't know really that they're going to be able to fit. And uh, I think that's kind of the one you look at. And, you know, I, I think they will they will look to make improvements. I've been impressed with, with how Bill Guerin has approached this team in the last you know, year and a half, two years that he's been mm-hmm. in control. I think he's been pretty smart about uh, his, his thing, not trying to overthink it. Uh, you know, to the to some criticism of the fans, he's been diligent about, hey, we're not going to rush Mapleby into the playoffs. We're not going to rush... Uh, you know, Kaprizov got here when he got here, and, and obviously this first year that worked out great. So I think Bill Guerin, obviously he played at a really high level in the NHL. He knows what's what's up, and I think I've been surprised. I mean, you, you just mentioned Dean Everson. Uh, that was not his guy, really, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. was a guy that uh, Paul Clinton had hired. You get rid of Bruce Boudreau. Uh, that was Guerin's decision, and you put Everson in there. Uh, is Dean Everson the coach if he didn't have the pandemic hit last year? I don't know that he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think since then it's worked out. You can see that Gary and Everson are on the same page. That's pretty cool given that, uh, you know, it, it was maybe a kind of shotgun marriage between the two. And uh, I, I think it's worked out. Yeah, I agree. I think the only coach right now that I think I would want more than Dean Everson, and, and this, you know, maybe is a prisoner of the moment deal right now, is Barry Trotz. And he's not going anywhere with the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders, we are uh, they're playing game six right now as we're recording this. 
And, I mean, this has been a very entertaining series with the Boston Bruins. Uh, and I'm not surprised that the Islanders are winning this. I, You know, they, they took care of Pittsburgh, which was great. And it's just been a nice back-and-forth series with Boston. It's tied 1-1 right now at the end of one. But I think this is an Islanders team that no one wants to face. And honestly... I would rather see them than Boston, given you know the the storied franchise that they are, the struggles that they've had for so many years, and just the you know Barry Trotz just doing his thing over and over again. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, and, and you know, they've got some some interesting storylines, given that this is we believe this is it for the Nassau Coliseum. Yep. Obviously, kind of their old barn that uh, they have been in from the glory days, and they left. They went to Barclays Center. Now they came back to Long Island because Barclays Center didn't really work, and uh, they'll get the new arena next year. So uh, this is this we believe this is it for the arena that just kind of won't won't die. And mm-hmm. yeah, they've had some players that really have stepped up. I mean, Kyle Palmieri, the leading goal scorer for them in these in these playoffs. Uh, Pajo, John Gabriel Pajo has been uh, terrific in this series or in these playoffs. So uh, Matthew Barzal is kind of their you know their up and coming player. Jordan Everly is is great as well. Mm-hmm. So you, you look at, uh, I agree with you, kind of the fresh face, uh, you know, potentially the teams that are left. Uh, that being said, Boston is terrific. Uh, yep. You look at Marchand uh, in this in these playoffs, I mean, he's just a scoring machine, and they are, you know, just a terrific, terrific team. And uh, I don't think anybody would be surprised if Boston ends up pulling this out. Nope, and absolutely. Yeah, uh, the semifinals. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, they're, they're one of two spots currently remaining. The other one is Colorado or Vegas. Uh, Colorado dominated game one in that series, as to be expected. The Vegas Golden Knights had just come off an emotional, physical series with the Wild that went seven games, and the, the Avs had swept the Blues. And then the Avalanche barely squeaked by in game two, and then they lose game three. Game four, they get absolutely blown out. And then game five, I think if we're going to look at a turning point in this series... It's the Avalanche up two to nothing, going into the third period, and then in a matter of minutes, it's tied at two, and then they lose the game in overtime. Even though they they were faster, uh, Andre Fleury kept making save after incredible save. I don't know what it is with the Avs right now, or maybe it's just how good Fleury's playing right now. But um, this is a, a awfully impressive what Vegas is doing, and I would say. If Colorado does lose this series, it's a pretty big embarrassment for them. Uh, the playoff failure, playoff disappointment, I guess, is a better way to phrase it. Yeah, I think given uh, how this, this series was kind of going, um, you talked about a turning point with series. I go to game three, uh, where sure. Colorado led 2-1 to one, uh, with you know 15 minutes to go and, and as late as, as really five minutes to go. And they give up two late goals in very quick succession uh, to Jonathan Marchessault and Max Pacioretty. And this, and it goes from potentially being up 3-0 to, okay, you're up 2-1, but Vegas played well in game two and then wins game three, and they really have not looked back. Uh, you know, one game four, and as you said, uh, you know, rallied from two down in game five. And, you know, that was, that was in Denver, as you said, uh, I think, Colorado was 31-1-1 in the regular season when leading after two periods. And so the big comeback from Vegas to get the series at 3-2, and now you head back to that sort of uh, you know dungeon uh, uh, 
you know, maybe appropriate given the night uh, that, that is T-Mobile Arena, and uh, Vegas has a chance to close out the series. Now, I think it's fair to say that, I mean, Vegas, or Colorado is really good, and if any team's going to win two games here and climb out of this thing, mm-hmm. it's going to be Colorado, but uh, they, have, they have put themselves in a scenario that I think uh, nobody really saw a week ago because uh, they were up two games to nothing. I think a lot of people were kind of surprised by game one, just it seemed like Vegas kind of punted on that, that they, you know, they let um, Robin Rayner start instead of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. I think the idea was, you know, you're not going to have Marc-Andre Fleury play all 28 playoff games, potentially, if they if they were, you know, going seven games in every series. Yep. The age, the age is a factor, so you're, you're going to get Robin Rayner involved. It was a blowout in game one, you live with that. But it, it felt like they maybe punted a game away, and you gave away a game to a team that it didn't feel like you could do that to and they've overcome it now. They're up 3-2 and have a chance to close out the series. And as you said, Flurry has been a stone all guy. I mean, I think if you're if you're thinking about who do you give a count's money to right now, it's hard not to say Mark Andre Flurry. And I, I mean, he's made a habit of doing this in the playoffs in his career. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we'll see how that uh, series ends up. Two teams have clinched their, their spots. Tampa Bay. They took down Carolina four games to one. I thought Carolina would be a better team, but uh, between Kucherov and, uh, I mean, just the Lightning are so deep and they're playing some really good hockey right now. They're defending Stanley Cup champions. So really no surprise that they won. Uh, Like I said, I thought maybe Carolina could beat them, but I'm not surprised by the outcome and the fact that Tampa Bay is now in the semifinals. Yeah, great, great challenge for Carolina. You know, we sort of, you know, they, they know what they're up against. I mean, these teams played eight or nine times during the regular season. They matched uh, up in the second round. I, I think I'm almost positive we're seeing the same things we said a year ago about Tampa Bay because their depth is just incredible, and it hasn't really diminished at all in the last year. And uh, what, a, what a terrific you know roster. You know, just uh, a great number of guys that can score, that can take care of the puck, and uh, make things difficult on the opponent. And I think... Um, you come away from a series, we know that they're, they're going to face uh, either the Islanders or the Bruins. And certainly, either one of those teams, I think, is good enough to be uh, close away. But you give Tampa Bay a big upper hand in that, that series, I think. And then, the I think, quite easily, the biggest surprise in all of the playoffs is not the fact... I mean, we both talked about how Toronto and Edmonton were going to breeze through their first-round games over uh, Winnipeg and Montreal, and at least for me, I couldn't be more wrong with, I mean, just I just completely dismissed Montreal. They had the fewest amount of points coming into the, uh, to the playoffs out of any of the 16 playoff teams. So, I mean, I think you could forgive a lot of people for just dismissing Montreal uh, based on that. And yet, here they are down three games to one against Toronto. They rally to win the final three in that series and extend Toronto's uh, woes in the playoffs. And then they just absolutely took it to the to the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't know if the turning point in the series was when, uh, when Shifley uh, delivered that vicious and dirty hit. Uh, at the end of game one there after Montreal had scored an, uh, an empty net goal. But Montreal just took it up another level, and it seemed like Winnipeg was like, okay, yeah, we're done here. We don't really want to play. I mean, that's kind of how it felt. But for Montreal to sweep the Jets and have won seven straight games now headed into the final four, the semifinals, 
I don't know what other word you can use to describe it, but impressive and remarkable. We should have known better. We should have known better that there was not going to be uh, kind of a uh, that this North Division, as weird as it was, maybe wasn't going to be straightforward. I don't think anybody would have picked that Edmonton was going to get swept. Um, and certainly, when Toronto's up three-one on a, a what we thought was an inferior Montreal team, you just expect them to close it out. But hockey's a weird sport. We know that. Mm-hmm. That's part of, you know that that's perfectly on brand. I agree. I think I don't think Shinji game one when you've got this. Uh, dirty hit, you know, late in series, and and Mark Shifley is suspended for the rest of it. Um, you know, it's and he's one of their better players. It wasn't like it was, it was some scrub that that took this dirty hit, and you're you know you took one of the best players from Winnipeg off the ice. That makes a huge difference. Carey Price is the right goaltender to sort of engineer this this type of series. And Winnipeg scored six times in four games, and you're just not going to win a series in that manner. Uh, they were shut out once. They had one game where they had one goal. Uh, that's just not going to do it. And so uh, all credit to to Montreal for a team that basically was, you know, a couple games above 500 at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, they, they've met the challenge. I don't see any way that they're playing for the Stanley Cup. I just have to be honest about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, this, this run has to end at some point. And uh, if they are in the, in the final good for them i guess canada's got something to root for yep. but uh, i just i just cannot see that happening i can't either but i couldn't see them beating toronto uh in the first round either and i i tweeted this out a couple nights ago but just the the fact that what montreal did to winnipeg and again i think the hit by shifley had something to do with it uh just the, the abs played absolutely uh uh, a lot angrier, and they, they were seeking revenge the rest of the series. But just for the way the Jets looked in that series against Montreal, it makes the sweep of the Oilers, or the Oilers getting swept by the Jets, all that more confounding and embarrassing if I'm an Oilers fan, seeing how that second-round series played out. Well, and I don't think, I think if we're kind of keeping an eye on the offseason, I think if you realize, you're like, well, what the hell are we going to do? Because, you know, yeah, that was not supposed to happen. We not we played like garbage in, in our series. And then the team that beat us got swept. And, and yeah, there's a product of, you know, just sort of being hot and being on the right side of things for Montreal. But, yeah, it doesn't look good for Edmonton. It doesn't really look good for Winnipeg when uh, you, you just swept one of the better teams and then you just get worked by, by Montreal in four games, too. So, um, I have to commend... Montreal. I, I didn't watch every game of the series, but uh, they didn't. We didn't see some vicious, dirty hit from them. Uh, and they, they basically said after game one, like we're going to make Winnipeg pay, and they did. They just beat the crap out of them on the ice, you know, and, you know, with the goals by winning the games. And uh, there's something to be said for that. So yep. all credit to Montreal. They were they were just absolutely the better team in the series, and uh, you know, kind of they just made the Jets look lousy, and. Uh, all credit, all credit to the Canadians on that front. I might say this again when we're previewing next season, but I think the two teams with the most pressure going into next season are going to be Toronto and Edmonton, just because Edmonton's got to figure out a way to, uh, you know, get rid of the, the demons that have haunted them in the playoffs, or just you know the lack of success when you have the best player in hockey on your team, and Toronto for just not having any success in the playoffs with that loaded roster. I think those two teams are going to have the most pressure on them headed into next season. Yeah, I mean, I just, if, if you're, uh, I think Toronto, they've just kind of got some, they're going to have some salary cap issues. They had the Mitch, Cole, Mitch Marner 
ordeal over his contract. And, uh, you know, he didn't really earn it in the playoffs, so you're kind of looking at him and, okay, I got an overpaid guy. You know, somebody might maybe ask to go for Toronto, and, uh, you know, are they really going to bring this core back? I think a lot of the same questions could be asked about Edmonton. Are we really going to waste the primes of two incredible talents in, uh, in McDavid and Dreisaitl? And I just think, you know, um, you know, Edmonton has made so many changes to their coaching in the front office and, and all these things, and they've brought guys in to make the team better. And I just think at some point you probably say, we we got to figure something else out. I, you don't want to give up those two guys. And I'm not saying you're going to trade with David or something, but uh, I don't know how many times you can beat your head against the wall uh, and, and come up at Yeah, yeah, I, I don't either. It's a confounding situation. Uh, I do. I will say though, with the with the final four here, we're going to get an East team playing a West team. So there's a chance that the Stanley Cup could be two teams from the East Coast or the Eastern Time Zone. I am okay with that. I like it. I like how the the NHL has done it for this season. I would hope that they can do something like this again in the future. I don't know if it'll be next year or maybe you know. I wish they could realign the divisions here a little bit uh, or just. See them all one through sixteen. I know that's the that's the Nathan Stack and playoff plan that doesn't always work because you might get Florida against Vancouver and that would be just awful. But I like how this is shaped out, and I do think that it provides more intrigue. And you know now it's not just the Western Conference Finals or the Eastern Conference Finals. Essentially, you have a, a final four, a Frozen Four to take from college hockey. Uh, and I like that about the NHL playoffs this year, and I hope that's something we can see moving forward. Yeah, you know, my one thing that I kind of bemoan is that the playoff, the, the final four wasn't weirder. You know, I, I, I kind of wish it was. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that's that's with Montreal uh, withstanding. Obviously, that's that's plenty weird. But I meant, I, I meant more so like the seeding wasn't up for grabs in the second round. We, we knew what the matchups were going to be because – Winnipeg and Montreal were the worst teams, and Vegas and Colorado were the best teams. So we knew that was kind of going to be one versus four, and then the other we were left with two versus three in the other series. So that kind of stinks. Like, you kind of wish that, like, it was between uh, Vegas and Boston. You know what I mean? For the one seed. And, yep. and you're kind of, you know, there was something riding on, on the set, you know, how it was going to be seeded in this, this second round. I wouldn't, because the best teams were, were stacked in one division. So, um, that kind of stinks, but I, I agree with you kind of long-term. Like, it would be good. Um, you, yes, you have the tradition of West and East, and you have, uh, you know, Campbell and Wales sort of in, in the, uh, the conference and the trophies you give out, but I don't think a lot of fans really care about it. The whole trophy thing is that the players don't even touch it, so uh, what exactly tradition are we saving, mm-hmm. and why not just have uh, the opportunity for the, the two best teams or – you know, the four best teams, however they need to be seated in those final two rounds, I think that would be good. I think it would maybe be good for uh, the, the playoff or the, the broadcast partners. Why don't we talk a lot about that in the, the mm-hmm. last podcast? And, you know, it's, yeah, you're going to have some news where it's a turd, uh, you know, a turd. One, one series is better than the other, and the other one's just not very good. And, yeah, it, it might be Calgary against Arizona, but I, you know, I just don't know. Um, I just think there's a lot more entry when you when you go out of your way to pair the best four teams uh, in that uh, in that semifinal round, especially if we're going to have kind of this weird division format, which we have had for a while, and certainly some people think it's fine, but 
I think in a lot of ways it's run its course. Yep, I'm tired of the of playing the same teams in the division. I liked it when it was you had the top eight teams in the West and the top eight teams in the East, and then depending on how it uh, fared out, you would reseed. So you weren't guaranteed to play the winner of a certain series. It would be just you know like if seven beat two, then the seven seed would play the one seed in the second round. I like that. I hope that the NHL will go back to that, but it's Gary Bettman, so all bets are off. Uh, and, and as uh, I have, uh, obviously everybody should listen to the sports block with Nathan Stacken uh, mm-hmm. as, as a podcast choice. And if you're listening to it, you know, great, great job. But I, I'm a big fan of the puck soup podcast, uh, you know, hockey, hockey talk. And they, they always bring up the point that nobody's filling out a bracket for the postseason Anyway, I, I know the NHL's, you know, do our bracket challenge, but we're not filling out brackets for the NHL playoffs. So, uh, if you want to receive, I, I do kind of think that, like, okay, if the eight beats the one, it should have the reward of playing the four or the five, just because why throw them against the number two seed again mm-hmm. when you, you know, what is your reward for winning other than going to the next round? But uh, ultimately, there's, no, you know, it wouldn't bother me if they decide they, they want to reseed. And, you know, I think that might be sort of a compromise between, um, you know, yep, we're not going to do the one through 16 reseeding. We're still going to have a one through eight. I mean, West and East, but yeah, when we get to the semifinals in the last four, we're going to receive, and uh, yeah, we might have a cross division or cross conference matchup in the uh, in the third round of the semifinals, and if that means we get two two West teams in the Stanley Cup final, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's there's room for uh, a lot of uh, uniqueness, a lot of uh, a lot of fun that can be had rather than just your traditional. Again, get rid of the division. I'm tired of playing, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks, the St. Louis Blues. In the first round, let's just go regardless of where where teams are at. Just take the top eight teams from each conference. Well, and the other the other thing I would say is like um, you know this came in an era where it was about Crosby against Ovechkin, mm-hmm. and we're now getting to the point where those guys are you know near the end of their careers, and so uh, you know like who is kind of that next rivalry where you would point to? Here's the two guys that are somewhat close geographically that you want to see year in and year out. I don't really know if the NHL has that right now, so that would kind of be your reasoning to go. Yep, let's get rid- or let's dump the division format and go back to one through eight, and we see where you know we could see any any sort of matchup at the end. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Uh, a couple other things here before before we close. Um, I want. I just want to know, like I I've heard from a few people that they're very concerned that uh, that A Rod's going to move the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I mean, out of the four playoff or the four professional sports teams, the major professional sports teams, I, oh th- hell, I'll throw the links in. Out of the five, uh, the Timberwolves I probably care the least about. I still don't want them to leave, um, but it seems to be some growing speculation out there that A Rod's going to move them. I don't know if that's going to be to Seattle or somewhere else. Do you think that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to move? Uh, I, ultimately, I, I would say no. Um, I guess I kind of read the tea leaves of, I guess, the reporters that you, you would trust. Uh, you know, John Krasinski of The Athletic has been pretty steadfast about, you know, the, the expansion fee, the $500 million that it would believe to be that uh, a new owner of Seattle is going to believe to be the expansion team or Las Vegas. Uh, that's more valuable to the NBA and the other owners in the league than moving the franchise from Minnesota to Seattle or Minnesota to Las Vegas or whatever it may be. Uh, I think the fears of the team in are absolutely legitimate. I mean, this is, uh, you know, Glenn Taylor 
was not a good owner as far as the on encore product after Kevin Garnett left. Some of that uh, is just it's just the way it was, and some of it is certainly at his feet. But um, you know, when you bring in a businessman and you bring in a Rod, two guys that, that we don't we know a Rod, but we don't really know what he might want to do with the team. Uh, he's probably not going to move to Miami. That's kind of the only other thing that you would think that he might do because that's where he's got connections. Um, I, I think they kind of look at it purely as a business thing. I think there's still some value to have it in Minnesota. And if they're able to get in the arena, which is kind of what everybody points to being as like, okay, you need to make the investment in a new arena if you're going to keep the Timberwolves in Minnesota. You hate to do that because, you know, uh, we had a building room of stadiums in the early uh, 2010s, you know, late late 2000s in Minnesota where, you know, a lot of teams got new stadiums. Um, if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. And if you have to build it at the Target Center, that's fine. If you have to go play at XLM Center for two years, that's what you got to do. Um, if you build it, you know, if you build it at the uh, Mall America, let's just use that example, mm-hmm. Met Center Part 2, uh, that's fine too. Uh, I just think that, like, they will come up with a creative solution to keep Minnesota in, in uh, or keep the, the Wolves in Minnesota. I think just kind of the, the lucrativeness of two expansion teams, that's more valuable to the owners than moving Minnesota. It's still a prominent pro- enough market that you're going to want to keep. The mm-hmm. team, this team's not moving to Kansas City or, you know, name any other, you know, like-sized city. If they're moving, they're going to move to Seattle or move to Las Vegas. And I kind of think it's similar to what we always had with the Vikings where, you know, uh, if you don't get a new stadium, we're going to move you to X, you know, Los Angeles or San Antonio or whatever was always thrown out there. And, you know, that's valuable for ownership, too, to sort of threaten and get a new stadium. And, you know, I guess if that's what it takes to, to build, you know, to get a new uh, stadium, that's what the owners are going to do. Um, but I, I don't know. What do you think? I I hope that they that they stay. Um, I, I don't th- – it's weird that – there was language in the contract initially that said, oh, you know, you can't move the team. And then somehow that got removed. Right? Well, I mean, I think Clint Taylor was lying about that. I mean, yeah. and I think you know, the whole thing with that was that uh, it was never enforceable. There's just no way you can enforce that. Uh, you can you know, have some sort of covenant in there, I suppose. But uh, once the team owns it uh, or once new ownership owns it, they can probably do whatever they want with it. And so – why Glenn Taylor, I guess, and we know why Glenn Taylor said it, wanted to sort of call him the, the concerns about selling the team to the fan base, but uh, it, it was never enforceable, and it seems like he might have been lying about that. Mm-hmm. He didn't have his entire ownership on the same page. Obviously, there was a, you know, there's a minority owner that was not happy uh, that he, you know, was basically not going to get paid first, and so that's how we know this, you know, given that this is in court, apparently. Yeah, so I don't. Again, I hope the Timberwolves stay. I hope they can, you know, just re- rebuild this team. I think I think they have the pieces to be a more competitive team, and hopefully, we'll see that come to fruition. I trust this, uh, you know, this new head coach. He's from the Nick Nurse head coaching tree, and uh, Nick Nurse has obviously uh, had a very successful run with Toronto. So, I think. I think Lori and A-Rod can be good owners if they're willing to invest in it. But I think, you know, just the fact that it's A-Rod and he doesn't carry, you know, the most, uh, I don't know, he's, he's, he's certainly not the, the most trustworthy of 
individuals. And so having him as an owner, I think, makes people a little suspicious. I, I agree. I don't think they're going to move to a Kansas City or a Pittsburgh or any place like that. I think it's Seattle or bust. But I would think the NBA would much rather expand the their league to, you know, like what the NHL is going to have now, 32 teams. Maybe the NBA can get to 32 rather than contract and move a, or move a team away from the Twin Cities and, you know, you know the, the Vikings were close to doing that. That was a huge fear for me for a lot of years and a lot of other Vikings fans out there. I think it just it kind of a slap in the face to the city, but or to to the state, the region that you're in. But yeah, I I, I think there is a decent chance that they'll move, but I'm very hopeful that they won't. Well, here's here's the other thing I would say. I think Clark Murray and. A-Rod, i got to be honest, I, I didn't think A-Rod had this kind of money to, to put at this. Um, it, we, we don't know what the split is. I would imagine Mark Murray probably has a little bit bigger, uh, you know, a little bit bigger stake here. I can't imagine they're probably 50-50 because I just, I, I'm having a hard time believing that, uh, that A-Rod's putting $750 million towards, uh, towards the Wolves. But if we believe that the purchase price is you know, basically $1.5 million. Um, but I'm just looking at a list from... Uh, Forbes, you know, they have the, you know, what teams are worth. You've got 12 NBA teams that are worth $2 billion. Steve Bowler Steve bought uh, the, the Clippers for $2 billion. It's now valued at $2 billion. So he basically made $750 million, I believe, on the value of, of the NBA, you know, of the value of having the Clippers. Um, you know, the Wolves are, are listed 28th year, uh, only the Pelicans and the Grizzlies are worth less, it's believed, $1.4 billion. I think if you're Mark Rory and you're A-Rod, you, you think you can get five $600 million out of the Wolves pretty easily. Uh, basically, if they're not a toilet you know, toilet team anymore. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you, you believe it, you believe it's an investment. And, you know, I, I think it, it's fair to say that you look at it and you say, if I buy this team and I move to Las Vegas or I move to Seattle, they're worth more. But... Um, I don't think the rest of the NBA is going to be for that. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think if they brought it to the table, they probably would be able to, you know, talk the other owners into it. But they know the value of new expansion teams. And I think under the right management, we agree with you. I mean, this, this team has been mismanaged for such a long time, and everybody else in the picture has been has been moved out. You know, David Kahn's been out. Luke Saunders, bless his heart, not in the picture anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right. Kevin McHale, not in the picture. You know, it's it's uh, the only guy that's left in this whole thing is Glenn Taylor, and so now you have the chance to move him out. And hopefully, that this uh, Gerson Rosas and uh, the, the new coach are the right mixture to kind of move this this team forward. And uh, hopefully, it's an opportunity for ownership to make money and, and keep the team in Minnesota. And I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I just think a new arena is going to be part of the picture. You know, mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, that'd be great for Minnesota, but who's paying for it? Probably the public. Yep. So. Uh, A-Rod's net worth uh, estimated to be roughly $350 million, by the way, right now. Right, so- and so that's exactly what I was getting at. Is like, okay, if, if it is 50-50, uh, then it would be $750 million, and it doesn't look like A-Rod has that money. Right. So I wonder if this ownership group isn't bigger uh, than just these two. We haven't really heard anybody else, but... Um, that's kind of what I kind of come back to. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, and you know, you know what? Maybe this is the the chance for a fresh start with Glenn Taylor out of the picture, and hopefully that fresh start 
uh, to a new success is in Minnesota and not somewhere else. Um, I don't know what uh, thing. What is it? Concacaf or Concacaf? Whatever. Uh, uh, USA beat Mexico on like penalty kicks. Uh, what is it? Poluchic or whatever. Uh, uh, netted the the winner, something like that. Anyway, USA beats Mexico three to two. How big of a deal is this? Um, I think it's hard to say that it's it's too big of a deal. Uh, yeah, this Concacaf Nations League. It's relatively new. This is. You know, kind of entangled with the qualifying process for the next World Cup, uh, so winning it is doesn't hurt at all. Um, you know, U.S. beating Mexico is always a big deal, but it really comes down to are they going to qualify for the next World Cup? And they they've got some work to do on that front. Obviously, new coach Greg Berhalter, so you know we're, we're all trying to figure out where that's going. Uh, Christian Pulisic is kind of the future of USA men's soccer because he plays with Chelsea won the Champions League just a couple weeks ago, and then, yeah, has a big-time uh, penalty kick in extra time because it was tied, mm-hmm. and they, they got a, a penalty kick, and then they saved one as well on the other one. So uh, it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal when the U.S. beats Mexico. I mean, part of the reason it was a big deal on Sunday when it happened is just all the crazy stuff that happened with this game. You had somebody get on the set of CBS Sports and jump. It looked like he maybe you know, nobody knew how far he jumped. It turned out to be fine. Uh, you had uh, Gio Reyna, one of the uh, you know, U.S. players, you know, get hit in the face with a beer, beer cup or beer bottle, <laughs> and the uh, you know, Mexican players got hit with stuff. Yeah, it was just a mess. I mean, fan behavior was not good in Denver, and uh, certainly some of that was U.S. fans, some of that was Mexican fans, and uh, you know, just kind of all kinds of weird stuff that kind of made it a viral game on social media. So. Uh, U.S. gets a critical win, and you're just sort of in this build-up towards uh, 2022 World Cup, which we will, which will be in the fall in uh, Qatar. I, I'm shocked that there were soccer hooligans and fights yeah, and like beer that. and stuff getting and shit getting thrown. I'm shocked by that, Marcus. I am really shocked. Um, and I kind of want, and not trying to be unpatriotic, but if the I kind of want the U.S. not to make the World Cup again, so we can get another Taylor Twelman. A what are we doing here? Because uh, that's always good when Taylor Twelman um, goes berserk. Lastly, the Euro Cup is starting. Uh, I believe this Friday, and Iceland's not in it, so my interest immediately drops. But I see a team like North Macedonia. Okay, that's a that's intriguing. We'll see how uh, you know if they can keep games under five nil or six nil. Uh, I see Scotland's in the same group with England, so count me in for an interest in that game, or in that match, I should say. Uh, let's see anything else in here. Are you are you intrigued by Euro twenty twenty? And if you are, if you are going to watch, what are you inter- most interested in? Well, I will. I will probably watch it. Um, it's it's uh, obviously delayed a year from from COVID. Um, there are. It, it's kind of a weird format. This was a year where they basically decided they weren't going to have a host country, so it's basically being held throughout Europe, and there's kind of like one or two host, uh, you know, countries in each group. So, um, and then the final semifinals and final will be at London Stadium in London. And, um, yeah, I, I think there are certainly you know some groups to keep an eye on. You mentioned England and Scotland. Uh, yeah, they they also expanded, I believe, uh, this this uh, this championship a little bit bigger than normal. So that's how you get a North Macedonia 
and some of the uh, you know these these countries that you'd never hear from. North Macedonia's never made it. Slovakia's made it once. Wales in it one time. So, uh, and then you've got some of those classic teams: Italy, uh, Spain, France. You know, you would expect all those teams to be in contention. You know, can uh, certainly Germany will will England be able to make a run? That's uh, there will be a lot of angst about that as well. So. Um, It'll be interesting to see. It'll be one of those things where it'll be good uh, daytime, um, you know, television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, the main reason ESPN has the rights to it is because for a month uh, they can throw the games on on uh, ESPN and ESPN two. We've got I think ABC involved as well this time around. So um, eager to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, Twenty four teams. It's it's uh, you know. It'll be something to keep an eye on, uh, and very interesting uh, given that we will be one year away from the World Cup. You know, normally, we've got the two years, mm-hmm. and some of these players, quite frankly, are going to be pretty tired. I think um, between we had an extended club season last year yep. with COVID, not as many international matches. I think some teams were just kind of ramping up the international matches. You know, basically this month, and uh, in the long club season, you're going to see guys that are tired. So. Um, this will be this will be interesting, and I don't know who necessarily I'd put a favorite on. I, I certainly uh, Germany uh, would be one of those teams to keep an eye on. Italy and France, I think, have to be ranked up uh, right up there. Uh, Coming yeah. in, I, you know, I'm always trying to cheer for these uh, these bad teams or you know these countries that don't uh, you know probably have a whole lot of success, at least on the national stage. So count me in on Wales, Scotland, and North Macedonia that are the teams that I am looking forward to watching the most. Uh, they, I would say out of the three of them, I'll give Wales the best chance at doing something. But, uh, I mean, if they can even win one match, it'll be impressive. Yeah, I mean, uh, Wales has Gareth Bale, who is you know, kind of their most famous uh, player here for a long time. Um, yeah, he's he's kind of the. Uh, oh, I take that. Yeah, he is. On, he's the captain. He's on the roster. I had to make sure he's on the roster. <laughs> um, yeah, because uh, he's obviously been. Nobody on their team has, has scored more goals. He's got he's got thirty three goals in international play. They got Aaron Ramsey, who was uh, he has sixteen goals internationally, and then they don't have anybody else with more than four. So this is a that's a team that uh, will be interesting to keep an eye on. You brought up North Macedonia. Uh, they were in a playoff with Georgia. Belarus and Kosovo to get the basically the last spot in the uh, in Euro 2020 and and uh, you know, I guess still under that name even though we're playing in 2021. So uh, I know nothing about North Macedonia. We will learn a lot more, but I do expect them to be on the wrong side of some games uh, in the uh, the group stage for sure. Yeah, I think they if they can score a couple of goals, it'll be great. One of their goalkeepers, his name is Stol Dimitrivsky. Uh, so if you have a name like Stoll, uh, I'd like you to steal a match here in uh, in the Euro. So uh, and why is why did the state of Georgia get invited to Euro 2020? That just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, every everybody gets a shot uh, to qualify, and um, they have. I guess we. I, I would love to know the format that put those four teams uh, in. In you know, obviously they qualified to reach that point, yeah. but. Four teams for one spot there is surprising. So yep, no, it's a, I and I was being facetious because I was talking. About I know, I, I got you. I, okay. I got the joke. It didn't fly over my head. So. Okay, all right, that's good. That's good. I didn't know if it would fly over the rest of the of the people listening. So uh, yeah, that's very good. Marcus, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, I know we'll chat again soon with the 
Stanley Cup playoffs keeping rolling on, and uh, we'll, we'll touch base on the, the Euros, and we'll see where it all goes. But uh, stay cool, and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. All right, thanks, Jack. Marcus Traxler joining me here. Uh, always appreciate his time. Great stuff there. And, uh, yeah, it's just a, a lot going on here. He is a resident hockey and soccer expert, and uh, he does. He's, he's not concerned about the Timberwolves moving. I'm glad to hear that because I am a little bit. I don't want it just because I like the fact that the Twin Cities has all four professionals, major professional sports uh, in it. Keep it that way. Keep it that way. They also have the Lynx, so maybe the Lynx can play in the NBA too. <laughs> Why not? That'll do it for this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. By the way, you follow uh, Marcus Traxler on Twitter, at Marcus Traxler. We did a lot of work with the local elections and stuff in Mitchell on Tuesday, so... Uh, wealth of information in the news and the sports side. So he does great work. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, or you could just purchase the uh, subscription to the Mitchell Daily Republic. Why don't you do that too? Uh, but uh, thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, hope you enjoyed it, as always. And uh, stay cool out there. It's it's hot. It's it, This sucks. Winter is coming. Right? Winterfell. Game of Thrones. Come on, let, let's get cooler out here. Let's get let's get a little colder. Would love that. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Podcast can be found on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at ndstackin, Travis Crins at Travis Crins, Facebook Nathan Stackin. A link to the podcast posted middle to late part of each week. Next week, more NBA playoff talk, more baseball talk, NHL uh, playoffs. Maybe we'll talk some Euros as well, and we'll see what happens with that. With it all. U.S. Open next week, too. Father's Day weekend. Get your father something. Be nice to them. And that'll do it. Stay cool. Thank you for listening. So for Marcus and Travis, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you tune in again for another edition of the Sports Block Podcast next week. Stay cool, everyone.